Hi, I'm J.D. Sutter, host of Audio Theatre Central and chair of the ATC Seneca Awards Committee. The Seneca Awards recognize excellence in the world of family-friendly audio drama. The third annual awards for productions released in the year of 2019 is just around the corner, and we want to invite you to tune into the broadcast. Join us on Friday, July 24th, 2020 at 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, as we award winners in 11 different categories. In addition to announcing the winners, we'll have guest presenters, short audio drama features, and more. The broadcast will be streamed live at thesenecas.org and on 920WON, The Apple, in New York City. For more information, head over to thesenecas.org, and we'll see you on Friday, July 24th at 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern. I think Emily kidnapped Suzu. Long have we wondered. We have no proof of kidnapping. You've trespassed, tampered with property, held people captive. It's strange that Emily's adventure involved a kidnapping. I think Emily was getting too close to the truth. About the plans of Maury Rydell. I think the pieces are starting to fit. I think I might know exactly who's responsible for this. She's been going around the past few days asking a bunch of people all sorts of questions about things that have happened since I moved to town. I got a note in my locker saying so I didn't think all the lockers would be open. Maury came to us with his plan. Are you certain this caller is? Why is this person doing this? What does he have to gain? That box in the corner there. That's what caused this all? All will be revealed. Because Emily recorded it on her phone. Does your phone have a recorder? I'll start with Suzu's recording. In Rydell, Part 7, Revelations. It's all on Emily's phone. Hello and welcome to the AIO Wiki Podcast, number 27. My name's Lee. And my name's Arista. The time has finally come. The episode is finally here. And this podcast will be the most in-depth breakdown of it yet. This is the first episode in album 69, Best Kept Secrets. Episode 898. Rydell, part seven, Revelations. This is episode 898, the Rydell Revelations, part one. Written and directed by Phil Lawler, sound designed by Luke Ganot, and music by Jared DePasquale. Finally, we're reviewing this. Finally. Before, <laughs> uh, we have long waited to review this, and we're reviewing it before Rydell Revelations Part 2 is released. So this is a very interesting <laughs> perspective. We haven't done this before with multi-parters, but I feel like mm-hmm. this is the episode to review before the next episode, just so we can get our thoughts, as uh, Ryan would object to, hot off the presses, hot off the audio presses. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, before we actually start the review, though, this is very plot-heavy uh, in terms of the previous Rydell episodes, and there is, there are some spoilers throughout this review, just to let you know, and we'll be discussing the the plot and the overall plot very shortly. I want to go back mm-hmm. through every plot point we've brought up, or that's been brought up in the Rydell saga so far, and see how many of those points were mentioned and resolved by this episode okay oh my goodness uh wouldn't it make more sense to actually do that like at the end of the three-parter no no because this is important <laughs> B- because we've been okay. discussing maury for so long and we haven't reviewed mm-hmm. parker for president and the key suspects for reviews of those go listen to the odyssey Scoopcast. they have okay reviews on those and <laughs> wow uh, subtle this i don't know <laughs> i don't know uh but so far we have been bringing up how does this play in how does this factor in and mm-hmm. Phil Lawler's finally bringing everything together. 
And the points that he he is acknowledging are the points that he will resolve in the next couple episodes. So I want to bring up what has been resolved, and there are two plot points that are resolved in part. So mm-hmm. ready, okay. ready to go with this? Yep, here we go. This will be real quick. So from Parker for President, Maury talking to Zoe about the campaign, it's brought up. Um, mm-hmm. The note in Emily's locker has been resolved in part to be written by Suzu. Mm-hmm. Um, spoiler, right there. The writing campaign, not mentioned. The open lockers from the key suspect, brought up. Maury saying he loves a good mystery, though he's not very good at solving them, not brought up. The open lockers again, opened again, uh, brought up. And the open lockers when Dion had them, not not brought up. Uh, or the open lockers, presumably when Dion opened the lockers and there was things stolen out of them. Not I, th- That wasn't specifically addressed here. The security camera that Maury suggested, not brought up. The haiku was not brought up. The tampered window wasn't brought up. Suzu's investigation into the case was brought up. Emily saying, I think the pieces are starting to fit when seeing Suzu and Maury at Maury's house. Not brought up here. Um, the fact that Suzu had a master key, uh, Dion's culpability in this, and the fact that Dion had a master key, all brought up here. Dion's okay. framing, slightly referenced. Emily says, are we sure? And kind of a sense to Matthew saying that Dion was behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, Suzu saying a great deal can be learned by examining a person's possessions, don't you think? But what could be done with such knowledge? And Maury saying, well, people's secrets are powerful things. None of that brought up here. Suzu mm-hmm. saying perhaps a secret is what kept Dion from protesting that he was accused unjustly. Not brought up here. Suzu saying we don't want things to go awry again. Not brought up. Suzu saying I want to do what is right for our new friends, for our family. Not brought up here. So then going on to The Secret of the Writer's Ruse, Maury's assignment on the Nazi Enigma machine, not brought up. Resolved in part, the inscription on the Writer's Ruse book, written by Suzu. We still don't know why, why that is, but it was brought up and resolved in part here. Maury missing when Emily goes to look for him, not brought up. Maggie Frederick's backstory about uh, being the daughter of a spy and adopted, not brought up. The fake mystery, brought up, resolved here. Uh, Not resolved, but brought up by Emily and Matthew. Maury's mm-hmm. monologuing at the end of the episode, not brought up. Wit saying, there's more to it than that. There's a secret here that feels unsettling, not brought up. The so good wait, in people. Wait, wait, wait. Are you that? going to go through every piece of evidence? From yes, because every... this is all important. Because we need to know what has not been brought up and what should be brought up. All the times that I'm saying has not been brought up is stuff that has not been even started to be resolved. Everything that has been brought mm. up, I know will be resolved. And I hope that as we go through this list... Uh, for parts two and part three, or part two and part three, that we'll be able to see how much Phil actually was able to resolve in these episodes. Hmm, okay, okay. Okay, I know this will take a little bit, but it's it's just a couple minutes. If you want to skip ahead, then feel free to skip this, but I find it important. Um, I'm going to grab a pencil while you go through this. Continue. (laughs) All right, so Maury chuckling at the beginning of The Good and People, not brought up. Jordan Winward appearing to Olivia, brought up, mentioned here. Maury was initially resistant to the idea of trusting Jordan. That was brought up. Maury saying that Jordan guy at the end of the episode, not brought up. Maury's plan to bring out the good in people, which is possibly a ruse, not brought up. A sacrificial escape. Who is Anya Popoff? Why is the escape room there in Wit's End? Suzu told Emily about the escape room. The tampering on the escape room, none of that is brought up. The mysterious voice is brought up. And then Suzu's recording. And the fact that the mysterious voice says good, neither of those is brought up. Then to further from the truth, Maury spilling ice cream on Emily, and the fact that the cobble box or imagination 
of the imagination box exists. Both of those were brought up, and also cobble box. My idea, imagination box. You know, not too not too far off, right? Right. <laughs> cobble box. It's like a head cannon. It yeah, works. Yeah. It completely works um, with the thing. A couple quotes. Maury saying, she's really good at this stuff, almost as if she knows what the note writer is saying about Suzu. And then questions are good when asked of the right people and the rest of that riddle not brought up. The fact that Suzu finds the kidnapping strange throughout the episode and the fact that she takes a, a problem with it. And then Maury saying, what if someone's helping us find proof of a wrongdoing? Neither of those is brought up. And then Maury saying he's good with numbers. And the fact that Further From the Truth was another fake mystery. Both of those are brought up. Many times. And then the quotes at the end of the episode. Uh, Susie saying she seems to have risen to the occasion. Maury saying, and now everyone's talking about it. And then Maury saying, wish I could read it. Uh, Susie's notebook in Japanese. Maybe you'll teach me someday, huh? Perhaps when you are ready to learn. And then there's something you're not saying about Maury. None of those is brought up. So most of the plot, the most of the pieces that have been brought up are about the main plot behind the episode. The escape room, the mysterious mm-hmm. voice, the student council election, the open lockers, the writer's ruse and the cobble box all mm. of that has been brought up and referenced in this episode and i'm laying the groundwork here again because we need to know what needs to be resolved going forward and what phil Lawler has already addressed here all of the points okay. that i said were brought up and you don't have to remember them all i'll address them in part as we go through okay, all yeah. of those were the most key elements of the episode of, of the episodes and mm. are crucial that they be brought up here and are very effective that they are brought up here. Okay, okay, I'm, I'm following. So with all that out of the way, this is very interesting. I want to do something different this time. I want to give us, I want us to give our binary ratings, and then we'll give initial thoughts about the episode. Take a little bit to okay. talk about our overarching thoughts, and then we'll kind of rephrase that at the end of the review. So, okay, works for me. Uh, binary, are we going to both say some thumbs up? I yeah I would say we have to go with the thumbs up on this one yeah yeah do you want to go first into your initial thoughts here hmm um I mean you can go first if you want because I'd still need time to collect my general thoughts okay let's do it then a sacrificial escape is the 30th best odyssey episode as I've ranked it um I've ranked it the top 50 on AIO wiki you can go check that out if you want to there will be a link down below it is very extensive I'm warning you <laughs> it is that's sacrificial escape is episode 30 with Mm. this episode in the ranking a sacrificial escape drops to 31 and this episode is number 16 this is a very very good episode one of the best of the current era along with Mm -hmm. charlotte one of the i would would say this is one of the best episodes i've heard like the fact that it's so Mm -hmm. high up on the ranking the fact that i loved every single part of this episode and the fact that i got everything out of it that i wanted to get out of it and i'll i'll talk about that later there are so many of elements of this episode that work together so well this is the worthy successor to a sacrificial escape it really is yes in so many ways phil waller's writing is brilliant And it proves that he is aware of what is going on and that he has accomplished the task of at least bringing every plot point together. We have yet Mm -hmm. to see how he ties it together, but he's done it. He's brought it all here. So my rating is an unequivocal thumbs up for the binary. Arista, your thoughts? Sounds pretty nice. My overarching thoughts are just, 
And honestly, what I put in in my notes is just internal screaming. That's <laughs> the entire episode to me. It's yeah. just there's no way that it can physically be that good, that insane, amazing. It's been so long since Odyssey's had something this crazy. And mm-hmm. like you were saying, a sacrificial escape was the first part, and then boom, this is right into ooh. I don't know. I don't know how to put it, but this was one of the best episodes I have heard in such a long time. <laughs> yeah. It it definitely ranks up there with one of my higher episodes that I like, you know. Kind of yeah. like you you have your actual list, but I just more have a mental list of stuff. I'm like, oh, hey, you know, this one's good. That one's good, too. But no, from the very first starting note of the music, I was Absolutely. like, I'm sold. Oh, it was so amazing. The mu- Okay. Now remember, now remember first before we get into it remember further from the truth does come right before this episode which mm-hmm. is the only problem i think perfect. a lot of people have is that it's a continuity break in in some ways and that the it's not i get where it fits in the story and this episode does help mm-hmm. it fit better into the story in a couple ways that i'll bring up but it the emotion of a sacrificial escape is present here in a mm-hmm. more intense way that i that i was hoping would be in further from the truth very but further from the truth yeah. does further the plot in a way that sacrificial escape could have, but didn't. And mm-hmm. I think it's okay the way that Phil has retconned it. I mean, he has done some retconning on further from the truth, which I'll I'll uh, I'll bring up. But a uh, quick question. Yes. Uh, definition of retcon. Retcon is retroactive continuity to in the future to go back and say, you know, this plot point that you thought was referring to this. Well, it was actually referring to this, like mm-hmm. in um, the Rise of Skywalker, where it turns out Palpatine didn't die. He was just alive. So major spit spoiler alert for a two-year-old movie. Yeah. <laughs> a t- oh, a two- now I thought you were saying a two-year-old's movie. <laughs> oh, t- yes, for a movie for two-year-olds. Yes, that nope. exact movie. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, also, yes. Also, um, before we get into other parts of this episode, I do want to lay the foundation for this review and mm-hmm. the biggest spoilers of this episode because there are two huge parts, maybe three huge parts of this episode that are tied together. One of them is that Suzu wrote the note that was in Emily's locker in Parker for president. And she <gasps> also wrote the inscription on the writer's ruse book. And in some capacity, she was involved in the escape room incident. She <gasps> says, gasp. quote, we would have never let anything happen to you. That moment right there. I knew it was coming Huge. and it hit me so hard. I'm like, it literally, I saw it coming, but it hit me out of nowhere to quote mm-hmm. a Toby Mac song. You saw it coming, but it hit you out of nowhere. But it was, it was insane. I was like, there's no way yep. that she you just You go back and, oh. and hear my uh, initial reaction, which it probably won't be out before this review, which I'm sad about. But at <laughs> okay. that point, uh, Suzu said the line, and immediately after I went, We? Suzu knew it. We? I was just as taken aback as Emily was, and I'm so glad I record my reactions to these episodes because it's, I I love I love going back and hearing it. I actually love that. Like we've done a couple of reactions, like me and you, and hearing yeah. you react, you react very much like Emily, and it's the funniest thing in my <laughs> mind because you guys like think the same way. You're like, there's no way, and I'm more just like, they did not go there. Okay, cool. No, I knew I knew that it was. I just didn't expect my theory to be confirmed that way. <laughs> True. Technically, true, the Watfam Chalkpod theory about Suzu being the villain and great call on mm-hmm. their part, but that was a, a huge, oh a huge moment when they predicted that. Here I was praying that she would be the sweet, innocent being that we all thought she was, and she Turns isn't. She has, she has some involvement. Some but involvement. But we least. get we get the Suzu villain theory partially confirmed, 
And we also get the Mori villain theory confirmed by the final line of the episode. Let's go. Can I, you mind if I go through this and just repeat the dialogue? Not at all. Go for it. I don't want to post a clip from the episode because I don't know how that would work copyright wise. I don't want to try that, but Mori plays the final recording of the struggle between Emily and Suzu turns off the phone when the recording ends, presumably when when the recording ends and says, that's it. That's the last recording. What do you think, Mr. Whitaker? Hmm. Interesting. I just played a recording of Emily kidnapping my sister, and all you can say is interesting? Why aren't you more concerned? Because, Maury, I think Emily was right. Right about what? I think you're trying to game me. Just like you've been gaming most everyone in Odyssey since you moved here. And since that line, never have... I more untrusted wit. What? Is that Why don't you word? trust wit? <laughs> I just don't. He seems so shady in that moment. It just, it felt fundamentally wrong to hear wit say something like that. And especially, maybe Mori is playing all of us, but he at least sounds genuine, right? But wit just turns as if something <laughs> has like mind controlled him and been like, oh, really? Your sister disappeared. Well, I think you're the bad guy. Well, the thing it's like, is, what? It's, that clip is not of Suzu being kidnapped. It's very clearly Emily being kidnapped. And I'll go over that later. But huh. wit, wit in this moment <laughs> knows... Maury knows more about this situation than he's letting on. Wit knows mm-hmm. this. This is why Maury is revealing his plan to Wit. Because he has a goal to have Wit figure out, wait, you actually are behind this. You're trying to bring out the good in me, aren't you? And that's what oh, Wit goodness. realizes, that Maury is gaming Wit to bring out the good in Wit. Wit mm-hmm. here sees that the threat is Maury. He knows there's a threat on Emily, and he knows he's going to have to help her. But in the meantime... He is face-to-face with the nemesis here, with Mm. someone who does have something to hide and something important. And in confronting Mori about it, he is resolving part one of the struggle, which is Mori. Part two is going to the Rydell house and seeing what's going on. But right now, he needs to confront Mori. Okay, okay, that that makes it a bit better. Mm -hmm, I still do not trust Wit whatsoever but that is fine <laughs> why not why don't you trust wit you know he i think he has done some of his research on his own like he says at the beginning you'll do your investigating and then we'll get together and share what we uncover oh i don't doubt that at all and i feel like he's def- definitely working to try and figure out who is responsible for all this mm-hmm. and i think he's doing all that right but i don't know it's like a gut feeling i just fundamentally do not trust wit or even emily in this episode they both just seem shady or there seems like there's something off like everyone i don't know if it's just i can't trust anyone but like (laughs) at this point maury and suzu seem more trustful than i mean trustworthy than wit and emily Maybe you can help me quantify this but what did emily and wit say that makes them seem untrustworthy because i think that they are some of the most trustworthy figures in this episode Oh my goodness. Um, it's not really what they said. It's more how they held themselves and portrayed themselves. It's tonal a lot of times, you know, the way that they speak and stuff like that, other actions, you know, just how they're acting, especially with Emily. The fact that she's pushing so hard to get, like, information out of people. Because she was traumatized. That's very true. But it's do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Not, I was traumatized, therefore you shall suffer. But- she's, not, she's not causing Susu to suffer. That's it, though. She is approaching her forcefully 
and she's very apologetic about it. Like, I, mm-hmm. I don't – you don't have to be afraid about this. I am just trying to figure out what's going on here. And she's sorry when she pulls Susie's backpack off. And initially, mm-hmm. she says so- something like, oh, I'm so sorry. Let me help you pick up your stuff. And yeah. uh, again, at the final scene, we do not see her um, – we don't hear her, I guess, getting into a conflict with Suzu. We hear her um, – trying to say i want to find out the truth and trying to plead with suzu about it instead of forcing her to give information pleading with mm-hmm. her to give information that's the difference i'm presenting here which was a very unclear fight scene in my opinion but <laughs> i i don't know they're just maybe i just don't like pushy people but i there just seems like something's off i don't know why but just something seems incredibly off by the main characters hmm. I, don't, I have no idea how to physically describe it well, it the just theory... is there, and I don't trust it. Well, the theory is by put put forth by some people is that the whole episode is fake, and that That's these recordings are these recordings aren't real. Real, but I don't see the point of that. I I I think we can track Emily's progression very well throughout mm-hmm. this episode, where she has the impetus of suspecting Maury, and it takes her throughout plot point to plot point to plot point at a logical progression that we the fans have been going through as well, and then when she gets to the end to confronting Suzu about it, she lays out the plot points. And we see progression from both her and Emily toward the conclusion, which Mm -hmm. arrives at the Rydell house where Emily is flailing and saying, I need to discover the truth. And then I'll bring it up right here since it seems to be relevant. (laughs) Emily is slightly on the left-hand speaker. Maybe she's in the center uh, on stereo. Susan's on the right. Mm -hmm. When Emily's saying, not until I discover the truth, we hear footsteps approaching from the right. And then Emily starts to say, hey, and struggle a lot more than Suzu does. And Suzu is struggling slightly. I don't know how, but it sounds like there's somebody else there who Hmm. took Emily captive. Like, the fact that Emily says, hey, and Suzu doesn't say really anything, seems that Suzu's either assisting in the kidnapping, is also being kidnapped herself, but that somebody else is approaching and kidnapping Emily. Like uh, Miss Majo, maybe? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, That was my first assumption i was like mm-hmm. hmm where, where is she she has to be in the house somewhere <laughs> but with all with all of that also with wit at the beginning i think we can trust wit because he's very mm-hmm. trusting of emily he says let's exactly. go get some let's let's go get the information i want to help and then emily says no i want to do it on my own because i want to prove to you that i'm not immature and that i actually try to figure out stuff before i wrongly accuse people mm-hmm. and so wit says well yeah let's let's get together and share what we uncover at, at the end uh, and then he says, just uh, be prepared. You'll never know what you'll find in warning Emily about what's going on. Um, and I, mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what his intent is there, but I do trust him in that line. Exactly. And I even trust him a bit in like the beginning of the episode. It's just the very end. His the tone right end. there doesn't seem natural. His tone is not natural because he's frustrated. But it's the mm-hmm. line where he says, interesting. And he is glaring at Maury. I can imagine him. Maury stops the recording. Wit is glaring at him. He knows mm-hmm. Maury. You've been playing us. This is what I suspected at the end of the writer's ruse. Something wasn't right, and I know what it is. You've been gaming us. And you're Mm. trying to pull this out of me. You're trying to manipulate me, as Olivia put it. You're trying to make me think this. I'm not going to think this. You're trying to be superior to me, Maury. I can't let you do that because I know you're going to deceive me if you become superior to me. So I'm using my wits my wits <laughs> i am i am using you can say wits it's fine. i'm using my wits to overcome yours 
and mm-hmm. this results in me acknowledging that you are trying to game me. Now, what's yeah. going on? And once he realizes that, I imagine the conversation going more. He's saying, <laughs> you have no idea what's going on. Tell me. <laughs> well... <laughs> I see. I you see. I can't do that. Why not, Maury? Because this is bigger than just you and me, or something like that. Where mm-hmm. Wit actually gets the reaction out of Maury, where Maury starts to open up to Wit to say, "You know, yeah, I am the villain. You realize that, but I'm still not telling you what I'm doing." Oh, that because... would be horrible for Wit, but also very enjoyable to listen to. Right, and this is it's because Wit is so frustrated at Maury for for pulling all of these things. That's mm-hmm. why. He is the way he is at the end. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's very understandable. Maybe okay. that's why it feels unnatural because we've never really heard uh, Andre yeah. Stoika get upset at all when playing Wit. Yeah, we've kind heard. Of... Right. Sorry, what were you going to say? We've heard a little bit. That's what we asked Phil Lawler. It was about Charlotte and rightly dividing, where Wit just got plain angry and rightly dividing and subtly angry in Charlotte. And here he is determinedly angry. That's what I was just about to bring up. Uh, Phil Oller was talking about Andre, you know, being angry as Wit and how we don't see that very often. I wonder how far it'll get pushed in this yep. tiny three-parter. It'll be <laughs> This huge three-parter. What are you talking about, tiny three-parter? <laughs> it don't look... Okay, look. When it is one three-hundredth of the entire series, that, that classifies it as little. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> It's <laughs> like, yeah, okay, sure, but go for it. But one thing I want to bring up is that I trust Wit fully. I think mm-hmm. that Wit is someone we can put our full trust into, that he is always going to make the right choice when he is following discernment or when he's using discernment and when he's relying on God for that because Wit often does. Or, mm-hmm. And also with Andre saying that Wit is – I'm sorry, not Andre. With Phil saying that Wit is the Aslan of Odyssey. Exactly, which annoys that, me to know That it. was extremely apparent in that final line. Where Wit bested Mori. This was another line I had when I was talking. I said, I want Wit to be the master to have the most knowledge about this. and Or to have the triumph over Mori. Because Mori's line in uh, A Sacrificial Escape, this fool bested you in your own building. Wit is besting Mori here. He's proving he is superior. Hmm. I, I just wish that Wit wasn't superior for once. You know Th- That happened. The good in people. The end of, his, of the writer's ruse. You hear how broken Wit was in those scenes. Besides one singular episode, I want something more than just that. Charlotte? I, Okay, Charlotte, true. That was one <laughs> tiny little chip away at his character. I was so happy for that. It showed that he actually had emotions and that he was mm-hmm. human, and that was very, very happy for me. Um, but And also to throw <laughs> this back at you, know. those other two men- episodes I mentioned are one-third of this saga that Wit has not been on top of things. And presumably throughout the other episodes, also in a sacrificial escape. He's not on top of things. This fool bested you in your own building. That is the line. And also, further from the truth, Wit couldn't keep Emily from getting into that program. Maury bested him. Wit has not been on top. And finally, Wit is on top. Okay. Fair point. Yeah. <laughs> you do have that. I will agree to that. Mm-hmm. But... I still don't trust him. And I want to see how, again, I agree with you. I want to see how this progresses. Mm -hmm. I very much want to see Wit snap. (laughs) I just, because I don't think he'll take too kindly to um, Mori dancing around his question about who the real villain is. Mm -hmm. But let's get into actually starting off this (laughs) review chronologically. Let's actually talk about what's actually happened and not what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 
one note that almost every reviewer I've seen has mentioned the music. Mm-hmm. I'm going to play the intro music right here. There. This music That's is the best you? music of any Odyssey episode ever. Close runner-up would be the credits music for A Sacrificial Escape, but mm, good point. It's just not not as good as this one. This tops it. One hundred. Now here's an here's an honest question: Is there a way to get the like music soundtracks from certain Odyssey episodes? I think there's a there's a way you can manipulate the audio to only pick out uh, certain frequencies. And that might include the music. I'm going to try that for this episode to see if I can. But yeah, there, there's a way you can get around it. It's not perfect. But mm-hmm. hey, uh, Phil, if you're listening to this uh, review of the episode, would you please, please give us the music? And, and, and again, if maybe maybe we'll ask him in, a, in an email or something like that. I can I can say, hey, can you give us the, the music for this? He, he'll probably say no. But <laughs> this, if, this is great. Please, we this. beg of you. We just, uh, I could listen to this on repeat if I just had an mm. album of just like this and a couple other club episodes. That's all I want, man. Yeah. That's it. I will pay for it. I do not care. I just want to hear mm. the music again. Oh, so good. So I did a full breakdown when the first three scenes were released about mm-hmm. every single line in those three scenes. And if you want to hear oh that, go to AIO Audio News and there will be something there. Or I'll have a link down in the description of this podcast on AIOWiki.com if that's possible. I'm not sure if that is, but we'll go through the lines here. That The music is a little bit different in the – so that box in the corner there, the intro, which was at the end of Further From The Truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the music's a little little different than it was in Further From The Truth, which makes sense because we're leading into the bigger episode to come and we're leading into the extended dialogue right there. Exactly, yeah. The point about math is still the same. Emily brings it up with both of those involve a lot of math. Still, still uh, again, a, a huge point, nasty yes. plot hole, but it's resolved later. And I love it. It is, which in that, when it gets resolved, I just love how the person who resolves it is like the only sane character in this entire episode. <laughs> yeah. It's but the thing was, when I, when I heard that clip later on, I went, in my reaction, I go, oh, no, come on, you did. But then I realized, mm-hmm. wait, he actually did fix it. Phil actually did fix it. I, I didn't think he did, but he did. And I'll explain why when we get there. But I didn't think he did, but he did. I like that. <laughs> I didn't think he did, but he actually did. He did. He did. Indeed. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So uh, <laughs> then we get Emily's line where she's saying, I don't want to say just yet. I need proof. And that the her voice intonation is a little bit different because it's a different mm-hmm. recording session, a different day, uh, several months later after the recording of Further From The Truth. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And then her line, I don't want to say just yet. And then I'd like to do this on my own for now. I had problems with that when the, the scenes were released. But now actually hearing this whole episode, I think that makes sense that she wants to show she's a capable detective and she doesn't want to say, mm-hmm. I think it's Maury and have wit say, Oh, Emily, you can't just accuse people out of the blue like that. To actually, remember yeah. what a problem you had with those scenes. You're like, no, there's no way that, why is she not responding? You know, why is she not telling him? Does she not trust him? I thought that was the funniest thing, especially when this episode came out. I'm like, huh? He just, it's just, I don't know. This episode is like disproving all the problems yeah. that you had with it originally. It's, it's so good. It's so great. It is amazing. And then Wit says, get to, we'll get together and share what we uncover. I think Wit is going to uncover some of that either in part two or he has uncovered it so far. And that's why he suspects Mori at the end of this episode. 
That's what I'm guessing. You'll just Maybe. hear about it in part two, probably. Right after this, where it left off, probably, actually. Hopefully. And then Emily mentions, that's another lesson I learned from you about be prepared. You never know what you'll find. She mm-hmm. says, that's another lesson I learned from you. Where, when was the first lesson that she learned from Wit? I I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. It's it's a weird line, but I think it, it think it it's okay. Weird. Like, like Wit, you've taught me so many lessons over the years. That's another lesson I learned from you. Oh, that's fair. That w- I would take that as an explanation. I right. didn't know if there would be some like specific lesson, though. You know? No, I thought like there would be. Something related to the saga. I thought that was like, here's one lesson I learned from you, and this is another lesson I learned from you. Mm-hmm. I don't hmm. know. I'd be interesting to go and look into though, and see if there mm-hmm. is something. So, sound design for this episode is by Luke Gano, who follows AIO Audio News. Hi, Luke. I'm always going <laughs> to refer to him like that, but uh, he he did a, an awesome job with this sound. It was amazing. Yeah. Absolutely. Especially in the second scene, Wit's in his office typing, and then Maury mm-hmm. appears muffled behind the uh, the office door. And... The footsteps for that scene. Oh my goodness. Yeah. As he was running towards it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Really, Perfection. really good. And Maury and Attica Schaefer are both doing an incredible job of acting here. Oh, what? Attica Schaefer is doing an excellent job of acting as Maury. He's yes. doing great. And Maury is doing a great job of acting and pretending he's actually worried. Because Got he's not it. worried. Okay. 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 I'm tracking. I was like, mm-hmm. hold up. Please tell me that Maury is not sentient right now. No, I can't <laughs> take that. And note that starting off, Wit is concerned. Suzu kidnapped? Mm-hmm. Well, we should call the police. His first line is concerned. And then mm-hmm. Maury saying, you can't. Why not? Because because of who did the kidnapping. This is where Wit starts to think, you're trying to game me. Who? Emily Jones. I think Emily kidnapped Suzu. And the music is great. Music is perfect. The music leading into the next scene is remarkable. It's awesome. Okay, I'll have to push back on you with that one a little bit. What? How? He's like, I think Emily kidnapped Suzu. You know, all of that. And then it builds into this, what? It sounds like some kind of spy movie music. I was like, because it okay, is, it's I espionage, kidnapping. <laughs> yes, but it just doesn't. It seems like too hype. Like they say a line, and then the music starts playing, and I'm just very confused with that because it seems like there should be something bigger happening, like an actual fight. You know, that, that is like it. That fists, is it. Kid- but... Kidnapping. We haven't had actual conflict between the characters. We've had good things that happened, and we True. had a sacrificial escape. But now kidnapping actually something happening yes yes Yes. and from what we hear and from what maury describes it is significant and if we don't know anything at this point the music is not too overhyped think about what john campbell would have composed for this it would have been the end of the writers the uh, would have been the the end of the key suspect and i'll drop that music right in here which is a little bit more dramatic and I don't think would fit here. But I mm-hmm. love Jared's restrained style when he goes through the climaxes and the ways that he he goes um, goes about delivering this music. It's great. Okay, okay. I just but, felt like, yeah. it, oh no, it seems like we've gotten so excited to have something actually happen in Odyssey that we'll put in spy music whenever you figure out that some middle school girl kidnapped another middle school girl. I just find the entire situation quite funny. Honestly. I mean, when he said when he says that, it's it's obvious. No, no, Emily could not have kidnapped Suzu, even That's with the, like... the progression of Emily throughout the episode. No, she wouldn't have kidnapped Suzu. We know that, but there is a kidnapping that has taken place. There's some controversy that's taken place. Maybe Suzu kidnapped Emily, or Mrs. Mado kidnapped Emily. Mm-hmm. So this is an actual physical 
um, conflict between someone else and Emily in this case. And that okay. is cause for concern. It's not just that we're hyped to have a, a, a great episode here. Sure. It's that the music is really good for one thing. And also because this conflict is an actual conflict we can, we can discuss. Okay. Okay. I, I will settle with that. We do not okay. agree, but yes. All right. All right. Um, Overall, the music is still absolutely <laughs> phenomenal, right, but right. <laughs> that just so, feels wrong. Emily mentions, or Susan, I'm sorry, Maury mentions that he found Emily's phone and that mm-hmm. she was recording her cases, uh, which is also funny because a lot of her gumshoe narration in the previous episodes, maybe that was just <laughs> her recording on her phone. That would be very interesting, honestly. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm down for that headcanon. So then Maury says, me, Emily was investigating me. That line this is direct is revelation of Maury to wit. There was mm-hmm. indirect revelation in A Sacrificial Escape with the recording, which I believe mm-hmm. Wit has deciphered by this point. Another oh, reason something. why I believe Wit suspects Maury. But also, when Maury says, Emily was investigating me, it shows that that was what, that, it kind of hints that that's who Emily was talking about at the end of Further From the Truth. And it's backed mm-hmm. up by what Emily says in the recording later on. I believe those recordings are true. So by saying that, it sets Wit on edge to think, okay, Maury, do you actually need to be investigated here? Mm-hmm. So it's, Maury his def- ideas are instantly tinted towards, oh, hey, Maury is the bad guy because someone that I trust does not trust him. And there's evidence for that, you know. Right, right. And also because Maury – and also just because Maury is saying there have been some strange things that are connected to me. And exactly. Wit remembers some of those strange things like with Olivia. Mm-hmm. Maury discusses what happened after school let out. He needed to stay afterward to work on a computer project. Uh, that's rather convenient. I don't know no how kidding. that ties in. I'm very interested to see that, but I feel like it's not going to really have much tie in. Like he just yeah. needed to be doing something with school, but it would be very interesting if he was working on something specific. Mm-hmm. And then Wit says, so why did Emily kidnap Suzu? Because I think Emily was getting too close to the truth. That implies that Maury is innocent and that he's about to say, you see, my sister has been involved in these things. It wasn't actually me, but that's contradicted by the end of the episode. And Wit says, I think you're trying to game me just as you've been gaming just about everybody in Odyssey. And then Maury haven't heard Maury's response to that. No, we haven't. And if Maury says, no, seriously, it's not my fault. Wit just goes, oh, okay, I was wrong. (laughs) I I don't want that. I I really don't want that. (laughs) I don't want that at all, but, like, if Maury's like, no, really, I'm serious, it isn't me, and Wit still doesn't trust him, that would be a very interesting turn, you know, and, mm. like, Wit's incredibly, like, suspicious of Maury, and he's just on, like, yeah, really? On the one uh-huh. hand, on the one hand, I would like to see how Wit's character progresses when Wit's actually wrong, and clings yes. to something that might actually be wrong, but on the other hand, I want him to be right, I want Maury to be the villain. <laughs> Absolutely. It's such a, you know, it's like you're torn between two amazing options. Yeah. Now, Uh, as long as Maury says that, okay, as long as we don't get this scenario where Maury is like, oh, hey, I didn't do it. And Wit's like, oh, okay, everything else should be fine. Any other combination of response will be fine. But just not that one. It's not fine that Wit is wrong and that Maury's actually the actually the good guy and wits clinging to the the fact that more he thinks maury is the bad guy that's still not good i don't want that that's not fine i i'm interested in that i find it interesting that's all (laughs) 
See, I'm the kind of person, I'm willing to go with the flow. I want to see <laughs> how they take it. I want to, I just want to twist their mind a little bit just to see how far it will go. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, whatever. Then. <laughs> we'll Look, we'll see. A... As Maury would say, it's complicated. It, yes, very much so. <laughs> I like so... drama. I'm a, very much into this kind of stuff. This is fun. <laughs> so in the first preview for this, we didn't get Wit's final line in the scene where he says, interesting, it's not password protected. But we mm-hmm. got it in another preview that was released on the Adventures in Odyssey podcast. And by Wit saying this, it clears up a plot hole or a question that we were wondering about in the preview. How could Wit get into Emily's phone? How does that work? It's not password protected. But then that raises the question, why wasn't it password protected? How did Which that happen? Which doesn't seem like much of a question to me. But now that they've mentioned it, it seems like it'll be a pretty big point. But like, personally, right. like I have friends. They don't lock their phones. They just don't care, really. But right. so, so that I feel like Emily would be the kind of person to lock her phone, though. So it's a valid point that they would bring it up. And I feel like that's going to play a big role sometime in the future. But also, the more normal side of my brain is like, it's, what if she just didn't want to put a lock on it? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. And this could be answered by the theory that this scene is fake and is not mm-hmm. really happening. And I don't want that because all the recordings we get can be true and have great moments between Emily and the other characters, especially Matthew, that I want to be true. Mm-hmm. And it sets up a great actual controversy for the episode. But to get to part two and have it be like, nope, just kidding. That was all fake. Here's the real controversy that you haven't known about and that you got to get used to now. Oh, goodness. Uh, no, don't do I that. I don't need any change. No, no please. No. Just let us have what we have. And this let is us be one able of the. Dress something. So the music is the best part of this episode, I think I'll say. Absolutely. Another, another great part of this is the recap. We don't get a recap at the beginning of this episode, we mm-hmm. don't get a parental warning. Instead, we get the music. Great mm-hmm. music. And then we get 15 minutes of brilliant, concise writing. What Phil Lawler has done here is he's taken what we, the fans, have been going over all the plot points, what I went over at the beginning of this review, going over numerous for numerous hours on end, mm-hmm. and he does it in 15 minutes. He, like, he combines everything that we've been worried about. He, like, almost it's like everything. he has a whole spreadsheet. Almost everything. It's like yeah. he has a whole spreadsheet that he's writing from making sure he hits this point and that point and that point. So you just know everything is covered. And there is no dialogue that is unnecessary in this 15 minutes. Every little bit bit. counts toward the plot. And every little bit is important. That's actually something I noted in my notes. I was like, Emily, especially with Emily and Zoe's conversation, originally I put that I didn't like the writing of it. I was like, it felt like they were explaining everything too much. It was just felt very scripted, but they were acting it well. Yes. But it just, it was explaining literally everything. Like everything that we could have ever needed. And the reason that this is important, a lot of people have said, eh, I guess, I guess the explaining would be good to those who haven't followed the saga as closely as we would, but eh, I, I didn't like it. But the reason the explaining is necessary and the reason I love the explaining, even though I have been following the saga as closely as anyone else. Addictively be- at this point. That's how closely you've been following it. The reason why the whole recap here, why the explaining is necessary is because we have never had any explaining and any sort of mm-hmm. recap before. We had a reference to the escape room as continuing the story at the beginning of Further From the Truth. And we had a mention Mm -hmm. of Emily being elected student body president at the beginning of The Key Suspect. And we had a reference to The Key Suspect at the beginning of The Writer's Ruse. We haven't had any other references to any other episodes at any point in this saga until this episode in which we get everything tied together. 
that's why. That the episode is finally aware of the plot. Ah, okay. I was like, where is he going with this? But that makes sense. Okay, I'm following. Mm -hmm. It's that the writers are finally saying, we're finally tying this together. We were Mm -hmm. leaving it disconnected for the longest time and letting you do it. Now we're actually addressing it in the episode and we're confirming all the plot points so far. So everything that we've discussed, I mean, we've discussed this on end. Everything that we have discussed, the two of us, that was brought up in the episode is confirmed that it was actually significant to bring up. Mm-hmm. That's why this is that's why the the recap is important. It's very good it's a very good thing that you went into it so deeply and like studied every yeah. single little note cuz I would not have picked up on half of these things. <laughs> like you you know every single point that they've brought up and been like, "Oh, hey, that's confirmed. That's confirmed. That's confirmed." And I'm like, oh, "Well, that was actually a point. Wait, what?" <laughs> And also, there's there's no recap at the beginning of this episode because um, well, I've already made like numerous, I think, 13 recaps so far in my trailers. Oh, my goodness. True. <laughs> very true. Yeah. But now we get into more of the, the casual plot of the episode where mm-hmm. um, Emily is going about her day. This is Thursday, Thursday morning, uh, or maybe Thursday afternoon. She's going uh, through the Odyssey Middle School and with the other... Uh, people she knows and also she's still a middle schooler and olivia is yes. still a middle schooler even though in page from the playbook olivia was helping with the yearbook i think olivia can still be a middle schooler and help with the yearbook committee because she's a mature student if that makes sense oh yes okay i was about to actually mention that is olivia younger in this she sounded no. younger and seemed younger but also acting more mature i was very confused about her age in this no she's about to graduate eighth grade i think is what what we get here Oh, okay, okay. I figured that she was like in 10th or almost going into 11th. Mm -hmm. I was so wrong. Nah, nah. But uh, that proves she is mature, though. I like that. Exactly, yeah. Um, And uh, that's great that we get other characters. I thought we were just going to get the actors that were pictured in the the cast photo that Phil Lawler posted. And uh, no, no. We get a lot of characters in this episode. A huge number. amazing. Everyone who's been significant to the saga, really. Uh, Matthew, Zoe, Emily, Olivia, uh, Maury, Suzu, Wit. Those mm-hmm. are the main players, and then I, then Mrs. Mado, who's a new character. Mm-hmm. Which she, she, oh, I already love her. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you love her. Do you love her accent? The accent, I have a couple notes on, but yeah. Okay, okay. we'll but, get to that. Um, anyway, so Emily is um, narrating this whole thing, which is a great solution to exposition, show, don't tell. It's a great mm-hmm. example of how, how you should do this, or a good way to do it. That have Emily just be narrating to her her phone to her recording instead Which of narrating to thing. the audience. That was done very well, honestly. Yeah. And she says it's just the the Jones Detective Agency because there's not Matthew. And this is the case of the Rydell revelations. It's time to reveal the truth about Maury Rydell once and for all. And this is ultimate confirmation that yes, that is who she was talking about at the end of Further from the Truth. And it's it sets the stage for this episode is going to reveal stuff, or at least this series mm-hmm. of episodes is going to reveal stuff. And the impetus for all this, the reason why Emily suspects it, is not because would both of those involve a lot of math? No, <laughs> that's not it. The fact that Maury spilled the ice cream on Emily. Oh, such weak points. I mean, they get explained, but just hearing them, it's like, wow. That is a very, very, very thin line that is connecting moves. And Matthew says it. That's mm-hmm. really thin, Em. And that's great, but it does seem suspicious that oh, I accidentally spilled ice cream on you. And so that's the only lead Emily has. But from that lead, you can see her thought process. Hmm, what if it is Maury? Well, mm. 
maybe this and maybe that. She's making hypotheses in her mind that lead her to her line of questioning that begins Mm -hmm. with Zoe. So with okay. Zoe, they recap Parker for president. They met Maury at this point. He was the campaign manager for Olivia. He was hesitant at first, and then he gave Zoe some advice on um, how to how to report, which I didn't bring up previously in my previous reviews because I didn't think it was important, but I guess it is important. And Emily says, I wondered why your articles got so saucy. Uh, uh, that word. I was like, Are you, is that the right word? <laughs> and then um, uh, Matthew versus Olivia uh, at cross purposes here. Uh, mm-hmm. Or trying to uh, to work against each other as running for president. And then uh, Matthew talked to the drama club. Olivia talked to the computer club. We come to the conclusion, the note in Emily's locker. And we get a, a, a weird attempt at humor here where Emily says, I wonder if I still have it. Your locker? No, the note. It's, it's not really funny, but it's mm-hmm. making this episode a little bit lighter in that one moment. And I, I appreciate that. Exactly. Especially that was one note that I had with all the other uh, things mm-hmm. that were happening. They, okay. Both Emily and Zoe seemed like they were explaining too much with too many formal sentences, especially for middle schoolers. They were using very, like, you know, fully formulated sentences with everything that they needed, every single detail of the plot that they had to bring up. They were, you know, and as far as explaining goes, it's very, very good. But it just seemed like that's not how middle schoolers would actually talk. And it felt very off for them it just felt too formal like they were Maybe. literally reading from a script it was very I'm... good acting but um no it was just a very abrupt change instantly from the joke about the locker you know going from those formal sentences straight into oh you mean the locker no i mean the letter you know straight into that it just felt off right well the, the point also is because they are recapping things that they remember and they're, they're talking mm-hmm. about the uh the the flow of, of information and then all of a sudden this is the end of our conversation. Are you, the, the locker, like it's, it sort of signifies, yep, yeah, we're done now. Let's go back mm-hmm. to to being. And I, I maybe it would, could have been written better, but I think again, I'll return to the word concise. That the the conciseness of this is is present here. Very much so. I completely agree with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then a big reveal, or at least big thing here. I'll bring it up briefly, and then I'll mention it in a couple seconds here. Emily says there's another bit of handwriting I need to look at. handwriting (laughs) wow that'll really tie everything together huh it does it actually does (laughs) it actually does which is sad it's very sad sad. it's excellent it's brilliant and i'll explain why so (laughs) emily's emily's note is says matthew needs to be at the computer lab after school and it's handwritten Mm -hmm. so that note was at like eight eight o'clock i forget what time that night emily says she's gonna sleep on it and then gets up at 233 the next morning (laughs) oh my goodness because she remembered it but here's the thing we're going to read a little bit from my script of Further From The Truth. And note that I wrote this back in, like, September and October of last year. I forget the exact date. I mean, I can probably find that date that I published mm-hmm. it. But we're going to read uh, a bit of it. And if you're listening to this, I want you to listen to our lines. And then if you – since you've heard – you probably have heard Ride Out of Relations Part 1. Listen to our lines and how they compare to this episode. Here's what we have from today, Dion's note. No big clues there. The haiku. Not much besides what we've already deciphered. In the note about Olivia's campaign meeting. Huh? Remember? When Olivia was in the computer lab trying to convince the club to vote for her. Oh, right. When she told me I perspired. (laughs) Yeah, well, remember how I found it? It was in your locker. Wait, you mean that- Mm Mm-hmm. And look at this note, the haiku, and Dion's blackmail note. The handwriting matches. But that means the events are connected. 
How? I have a theory. It's not a strong one, but Dion's note says to take the blame for the locker openings or else, correct? Yeah. Compare that to the haiku. Dion's blackmail was covering up the truth, but the haiku was pointing us toward the truth. And this note about the computer club? Uncovered what Olivia had covered up. The different papers are undoing each other, revealing and hiding secrets at the same time. Yep. And do you remember what the open lockers seem to be saying? Um, try and catch me, right? Yes. So... The mischief maker wanted us to put these clues together and catch him. He wants us to have a mystery to solve. Doesn't that sound familiar? No way! You mean- Over there, on the shelf! Yes! The writer's ruse book! If I'm not mistaken, the right inside the cover of this book should be our ultimate piece of evidence. Ultimate? Oh, yeah. And look at that! Incredible. The inscription. The handwriting. It's exactly the same. So, the person who said the election ended up like it should- And who suggested a method to help catch Dion- And who was gushing over how great detectives we were- To the point where he set up a mystery to make the two of us feel better. He is the one behind all this. Maury Rydell. Why? How? Why is he doing this? Just to lift our spirits? What's his endgame? I think this. This is the beginning of the endgame. Us catching him? That's his goal? Maybe. Or at least part of it. What do we do now? Well, we wait. If he wants us to catch him, he'll bring us to himself. He'll drop a hint somewhere along the way to prove it's him. You mean, like his voice? Wait. (gasps) That's the end. So... Yeah, Doesn't that, that sound good. familiar? <laughs> Just a little bit. You were so close. So close. I, I got the handwriting. You did. I got did that part of it. <laughs> that the handwriting <laughs> was the same. Part. And really, I, I don't know. That was my guess at what Further From The Truth would be. I was one mm. episode too early. You this were so episode close. is 50% of my script. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> you were so close to being there. Like, oh, it's man. insane that you called it that way. But yeah. hey. I know, and when further on the truth happened, I thought, man, I was 0% right. I was 50% right. I was just <laughs> a little too early. You were so sad. I remember you talking about it. You are just like, I tried so hard, and it went completely different. And now this episode comes out and just thank you, throws Phil everyone Waller. for a loop. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> he was listening to you and just being like, oh, the poor child. Here, let's turn things up a little bit, you know. <laughs> he was just taking notes. Uh, That's what but, he was doing. Uh, but anyway, again, it happens that Emily has the note in her locker. She checks the mm-hmm. writer's ruse. It's the same handwriting. And Absolutely also, I'm, I'm a little confused as to why Emily has her phone like, that early at 2.33 a.m. Like, really? She, I mean, I keep my phone by me. I keep I, my that phone doesn't like, seem like... In, a, in, a, uh, like on, in our dining room or something like that. And I have a charger oh. for it. I don't take it up to my room and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah, I usually keep mine like right next to me because okay. I use it for an alarm clock. That's a very normal thing I've, yeah. I'm learning. Okay. I wasn't allowed to do it when I was younger, but now that but I'm sure. older... Like, Emily's whatever. younger. That's my point. Oh, good point. Good point. Yeah. Okay. Side note, the seven-year-old next door has a phone, so I... Apparently, if that kid can have a phone, most normal humans have phones. So by sixth grade, that wouldn't actually be too crazy of a thing. Yeah. Some people yeah. just keep their phones nearby. Well, oh well. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just, I was just noting it because I, th- I thought it was interesting. I very much agree with you, yeah. One thing about the sound design, the transition and... Uh, between each of Emily's scenes, the the phone sound effects, and also mm-hmm. just the phone sound effects in general, are really good. I 
figure out where those sound effects come from. If there's a specific phone that has those kind of sound effects. Luke, Luke, tell us how to do your it. Secrets, Luke. <laughs> uh, but then we get uh, a good. I think a good addition to the pacing where at this point, mm-hmm. Emily has been revealing information. It's been a little bit heavy on Emily. We get a break and we switch to Wit and Maury where Wit Maury's asking Wit if he believes him and Wit's saying, well, that's not all the recordings, are there? You need to play them all for me, Maury. Okay, oh fine. my goodness. The fine. mood in that moment. I loved it. Mm-hmm. It was great. And that was where Wit was saying, I think Wit was saying in there, I want to trust you, Maury, but I'm beginning mm-hmm. to doubt you. Let me play the le- the rest and I want to trust you. But mm-hmm. once we get to the end, I don't trust you anymore. I just, I don't know. I didn't like it for Wit. I liked it for Mori, which is actually kind of surprising for me, because I don't like Mori too much. But in this episode, every kind of moment, because he might be acting, but at the same time, it's kind of hard for him to just willingly say, here, I am responsible for all of this, you know, and give up the whole evidence that right. he is. And, and Wit's, not, Wit's not fully expecting him to do that, I don't think. Exactly. I think Wit is knowing that he is responsible, mm-hmm. and so he's being very cautious in how he approaches it. Exactly. And that's how I, that's why I love Maury's response in this. Cause he's just, he's so hesitant. Maybe that is acting, but I love the way that it's yeah. done. He's just like in every single line that's just, oh, it's so really good. good. Oh. oh, yeah. I'm thinking about it. I, this is Maury's best episode. It is, honestly. I, I didn't, I've never liked Maury this much, but like this was an amazing well, episode for him. You liked Maury and Further from the Truth. True. True, true, true. And he's better because here. So, there you go. <laughs> he seems more mature in this one. Everyone seems just more mature, which mm-hmm. is very interesting. So then we break out of that pacing and we mm-hmm. go back to um, – I think the pacing throughout this whole episode is good, uh, partly because of that little break right there and also because mm-hmm. we need the information and also because we get some new stuff in this next scene where uh, Emily is staking out Maury's house at 7 in the morning. Oh, my goodness. And, See, this, um, that's why I don't trust Emily because she stakes out random people's <laughs> houses at 2 well, – the- not 2, she, but 7 in the morning. She's being discreet. And yeah, <laughs> it's not that... any better. Oh well, she said it was. She also says since it's on my way to school, I'm just passing by. You know, I didn't go out of my <laughs> way to go to Maury's house. Whatever. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Uh huh. Okay. Okay. So then, uh, we get a slightly scripted line from Maury. Mm-hmm. So Maury and Susan are leaving the house, and then Mrs. Mado. Wait, children, you forgot your lunches. Huh. The marvelous Mrs. Mado, always looking out for us. I think that's a reference to the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which is a. Uh, that's what I believe. Yeah, it's a TV show on Amazon Prime. Yes. Okay. Okay. Maybe that's a reference to it. I don't know. But would Maury actually say that? It almost feels like it was like how what's the term? Like it's scripted, but like. In his life, like, in the Odyssey universe, it's, like, something that he doesn't say usually. Like, he's saying it as if he was... I don't know how to describe that. Hmm, but maybe. it feels... Like, it feels natural for the character to say, or, like, that it was written well. But it feels unnatural in that universe for him to say... I don't... Okay, there's... I don't think so. I think it's the opposite. I think that it, it feels natural for him in-universe to say it, because mm, okay. he doesn't know that Emily is, is there. He doesn't mm. know that Emily's staking it out, so he has no reason to be to put up a facade that's um, what i okay thank you facade, but thank it's you. not written the best i think there was a better way to do it i think you could have just not named her and then have emily run up and say i think some questions for this unknown woman are in order excuse me oh hello hi i am a friend of maury and susu's oh, I'm, I'm sorry I, i'm mrs mado or something like that 
That I feel, yeah, I completely agree. That one would have been really good to do. Yep. And as Phil Lawler would say, it's not just me saying, well, here's how I would have done it, but I'm actually providing uh, uh, an objective <laughs> stance as to why because it's slightly <laughs> expositional. Right here. You're giving your little excuse, being like, "Hey, don't, don't get on to me for this one. I'm giving, <laughs> I'm giving advice, help." Yeah. So um, another thing is that the Raspberry Ripple, who is a, uh, a user on the town of Odyssey, that's a name I has a theory that forever. Mori and Suzu are being held captive by Ooh, that's interesting. or by somebody else. That's that's kind of a theory. I ha- I had an idea mm-hmm. about that. That there's someone behind it in their pawns in their own game, kind of. Thing. Yeah, especially the final scene makes it seem like that because of how scared mm-hmm. Suzu is. It makes it Very seem like so. they're being held captive. But the thing is that if they're being held captive and we're taking the scene candidly, then it doesn't make sense why they're being so friendly to Mrs. Mado. Unless Mrs. Mado is actually sympathetic to them. Maybe she isn't the one that's keeping them captive. Yeah, maybe. Maybe they, they like her. Ah, oh, the marvelous Mrs. Mado, as opposed to Mr. Grote, who is keeping us held hostage here in this house. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. they say, oh, the marvelous Mrs. Mado, because there might be someone else watching them and listening. Ooh, good one. Good one. Like, their their captor is looking out the second story window thinking... You better treat her nicely. Yeah, exactly. you treated her nicely. Watching through a window or he can I'm hear. I'm starting to like that line even more now. I know, right? It's It feels off. That's what I'm saying. It feels like the line was intentional, but it feels off for Maury to say. Like, he knows yes. that, that he's being watched. Right, There's and I don't, and it's not, but it's not Emily. There's no way he can know that Emily's watching him. No, not at all. Not at all. I mean, maybe, maybe he does, but I don't see the point in that. Mm-hmm. But there has anyway, to be a reason why Suzu was so adamant for Emily to not come to their house, to not see, you know, to not follow her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There yeah. has to be a reason. Mm-hmm. So then Suzu speaks in Japanese. Uh, I think it's like something like, see you later. Meido-san, Arigato, yeah. she says at the end. I tried to go- use Google Translate for it, but I couldn't figure out what it was. Uh, you can use um, uh, the speech to text. Because you can't actually search the opinion for the language. Like, opinion is for Chinese. I'm not sure what it's called in Japanese. I know, I I tried, I, I tried turning on Google Translate and using voice to text, but it came up with something like skewer, or I forget <laughs> what it was, or toaster, or something like that. <laughs> you had your tones off. You were so close, you just had the tones wrong. No, I wasn't saying it. I was playing Suzu's voice. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, like through, um, I was having the computer pick up the stereo mix as I was playing it, and I played that clip of the episode, and I did some equalization on the voice to make it, uh, make Suzu's voice stand out more against the background, and, mm-hmm. uh... That and it came up with something like toaster Mado san. Um, so do you know what she says? The I, no, I don't. I don't know what the first thing she says, but I think the at the end she says Mado san, which is something like Mrs. Mado in Japanese. Yeah, Mado san means yeah, Miss Mado. Yeah, uh, Arigato means thanks in Japanese. Arigato Mado san, is that it? Mm-hmm. So it's like thanks, Miss Mado. You know. Oh great, great. Well, I thought it was something like. You're the bad guy, or you're working <laughs> no. with Mr. Skint, Mado-san. <laughs> she was saying thank you. Oh. That, that was a very, very nice thing to say. Like, that's a very polite oh. way to say it. Well, that's good. I, th- I think it's cute that she said it. It is. I, like, very, I really I, like it. There was much appreciation to that one little line. I'm just like, oh, my God. That was, and, that was so and then cute. Mrs. Mado is such a mom saying, be careful, watch out for cars, obey all the rules. <laughs> yes. She's like such a nice character. I really like now, her accent, on the other hand, mm, but... No. she's played by a Japanese woman, I believe. Okay, okay, that helps. Maybe it was the writing then, because there were some things that just confused me with her. Uh, mm. Do you mind if I go into them real quick? Go go ahead. Go for okay. it. Okay. 
So uh, her knowledge of the English language is confusing to me. Yes, um, a bit. <laughs> she knows some very complex and like formal words, but then like loses some of the more basic uh, grammar terms. You know, just certain like little grammar, like a and the and. Well, I get and that. Like that. I get that. Maybe it's, it's her. Uh, she wouldn't say those words, but she understands them. It's the word related mm-hmm. that gets me. Related. I mean, that makes sense. Okay. If there's just that one okay. weird word that you don't understand. <laughs> But me, especially, if you try to learn, like, okay, especially with German, it is so different because they have some words that, you know, it sounds very similar to English. But if you're trying to learn this one weird one, it can be like a seven-syllable word for a one-syllable word in English. So knowing something like that, that wouldn't get said very often, you know, and that being a confusing point for her, that makes sense to me. It's just there's certain words that will throw you for a loop. Yeah. Related is weird. The other small words, I'm, I'm saying that she she doesn't use them, but she understands mm-hmm. them. If you oh, yeah. asked That's her about those words, it's just that because she's so used to speaking in Japanese and not speaking English as much, I guess, that mm-hmm. she understands the words, but she's not going to drop them into her comfortable um, way of speaking English. Make sense? That's what I figured, yeah. And yeah. I figured that that was just writing. Mm-hmm. But I, I like just, it. I, I do. I, just... I, I think it gets the point across. I don't think it's too... Mm-hmm kiddish to say that like hey kids here's a person who speaks in a japanese accent this is what mm-hmm. some people who are japanese sound like i don't think it's That's too kiddish to about. say that i think it's objective to say that okay yeah i agree with yeah. that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. overall uh, like it i i actually put that the accent seemed a bit forced but now that you mentioned that it's an actual japanese actress playing her i'm like huh interesting she's japanese or asian her name is ren hanami and i don't okay. know i don't know um that sounds I really don't know my names that well, but she looks she looks Asian in some way. Okay, yeah. So she's of Asian descent. Right. And the, this no was idea, the, pro- no idea where, but yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I could look it's it like up. But uh, this was this was a cute line where Emily runs up. And she says, I- "I've been here quite a few times, but I've never seen you before." I'm sorry. Oh no, no, no. So I mean, we we didn't. I didn't mean to mean in a bad way. It's just like <laughs> I, I I'm glad to finally meet you. Mm-hmm. Like that. She just- Seems like such a soft lady. She's like, oh, okay, hi, hello. Which is probably a facade because she's the bad guy. It completely is. And I will thrive with that facade. Like, (laughs) I will run with it because it's cute and precious and adorable. Yeah, I want her to be my nanny (laughs) if I I needed a nanny. (laughs) You're only, what, you're 18? Yeah, you need a nanny. There you go. (laughs) But, um... So, so far, we know that Suzu is adopted. Suzu's Japanese. Mm -hmm. Mori's not Japanese, uh... Uh, as far as we know, mm-hmm. there uh, could technically be Japanese, honestly. Maybe, like, but uh, Mori's or parents uh, are Mrs. not Mado Japanese. says that their father is in Japan, as in referring to both Mori and Suzu, uh, specifically, mm-hmm. probably referring to Suzu as the adopted one. Mm-hmm. Uh, that the adopted uh, girl's father is in Japan, and he works in the U.S. Embassy there, which we knew from Nathan Hubler, who dropped that randomly. Mm-hmm. And um, their mother is dead. That okay, I didn't get the dedo thing. Like dead, that one, dedo, like, dedo means dead in Japanese. The way okay, she so says it, it is dedo, which is dedo. not which it may could just be the person wanted to pronounce it dedo instead. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, okay. So it's there there's also a discussion of this on the Town of Odyssey forum that dedo is another word, but dedo is dead. Mm-hmm. This was thinking, yeah. Right, but it it works in that dado is not instantly translated to dado, and and translated into dead, and it mm-hmm. makes sense why Emily doesn't get it just for a couple seconds. But Emily doesn't say, "Wait, what does that mean? What is the word? Um, 
not alive anymore. It's not. It doesn't go on for too long. It goes on mm-hmm. for just long enough, and I got it just a couple seconds before Emily did. Oh, I got um, it as soon as she said it. I was like, oh, you know, I got it. She's not here. Yeah, okay, I got yeah, you. Yeah, that was that was when I got it too, actually. Oh. Um, no, yeah, just a couple. But again, it's just a couple seconds like, oh. before Emily. Not not too far ahead. Mm-hmm. Well, there wasn't too many seconds before then. But yes, I completely <laughs> understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Emily, I said this at the same time as Emily said it. That that is so sad. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's actually what Emily says, and not what I expected about Jillian crying her eyes out, literally. <laughs> oh my goodness. But it's copying the lines. But no, I. Mrs. Yeah. Mado is Jillian. Yeah, it's official. It's theory confirmed. There we go. It's just it's all a facade. There we go. So then after that, Mrs. Mado uh, abruptly excuses herself. She says, "I have mm-hmm. much work to do. Please excuse." And then she leaves. Does she have other plans that she has to get to? Other sinister things that she has to accomplish that she can't have Emily see? So after the scene with Mrs. Mado, we go to a scene with Olivia Parker. We get some more mm-hmm. recap here. And uh, I really like Olivia in this episode. She has one line that's odd, but I understand, where she says, mm-hmm. you're right, that's a pretty weird question. And it sounds a little bit scripted, but I can see Olivia kind of like rolling her eyes mm-hmm. at Emily like, oh, really? That's, that is a weird question. Why do you want to know it? I, I kind of saw that too. I mm-hmm. actually really like that line. It almost sounds like <laughs> she is the older kid. So when she has this younger kid coming up to her and be like, oh, here's a random question. She's like, yeah, okay then. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, are you good, hon? Like just kind of <laughs> questioning what's going on. And I love that line, honestly. Yeah, and she go, she um, talks about the notes between her and Maury. They start out like that. Mm-hmm. Emily's saying, hey, were there any notes? Can I get some handwriting? And Maury, Olivia's like, no, nah, no, nah, that didn't happen. And then are you investigating Maury? I'm just looking into some things. There are a lot of weird things that have been going on around here. And Olivia does then a great recap of the good in people. Mm-hmm. Really, really good. I'll probably use this for a trailer some somewhere down the line. And oh, nice. she mentions that Maury was hesitant about it, uh, that she didn't think that he was behind it, mm-hmm. um, which is, or she doesn't exactly think that. Uh, but it's interesting that she doesn't come to the conclusion Wait a minute, Morio's behind it because she's not. She's still not upset about it. She's moved on, which I think mm-hmm. is good for her character development. And that when she mentions that her college fund, uh, it's just like she did in the episode. I made a promise, and in this one, she says, "I made a promise." Mm-hmm. Really she good. seems resigned to the fact. She's like, "I did what I had to do." It's yeah. time to move on from that. And I've I've decided that was the right thing, and I've learned a good lesson from it, and I've become more mature as a character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which was and honestly a- amazing. Mm-hmm. And so, um, going back a little bit, when Emily shows her the note, she says, I would have recognized this. It's pretty neat penmanship for a guy. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> okay. Ow. Is she wrong, though? I know this uh, is gender stereotyping. Maybe. <laughs> I <don't know>. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I, okay. Um, you better prove it now. We're going to see something. But one thing this episode does really, really well is it pokes holes in the plot points. Mm-hmm. And it does it in a self-aware way to where I know these plot points are going to be resolved. Mm-hmm. So uh, when Emily says, Mori was my campaign manager, why would he be writing notes to you? There's a hole. And later on with Matthew, the, there are more holes that are poked. Matthew pokes a lot of holes. Oh, my arguments. goodness. Yes, he does. Yep. Um, and Olivia says, that was the thing. We didn't have anything to lose. That what that phrase, we didn't have anything to lose in accepting Jordan Winward's offer, was never mentioned in The Good in People. I mentioned it in The Good in People review. That's what convinced me. We didn't have anything to lose. At first, I was surprised that Olivia trusted him, but around, like, the third or fourth time listening to this episode, I realized that she has nothing to lose. 
Wait, are the people who write for Odyssey, are they allowed to listen to reviews? Yes, but this review was released in June. This episode was written in March. Great minds just think alike. Okay. (laughs) Oh, I'm going to say. You're both just thinking the exact same thing. It's telepathic connection at this point. (laughs) Uh, And so Emily says, so why did you say, like, uh, how was Maury involved? Why was that strange? And Olivia says, well, I didn't say that his involvement was strange. I just said the whole situation was strange. Like Mm -hmm. I was being... Manipulated? Yeah. That's a very significant line. The music in the background underscores this. This is one of those mm-hmm. lines where it doesn't seem like it it's needed in the episode, but it is. Every single line is necessary in this episode, this one especially. This is a slight reference to Maury saying he brings out the good in people. This okay. is a very indirect reference to that because that's part of Maury's manipulation. Maybe it's a smokescreen. Maybe he has something deeper in mind. But I also mm-hmm. think that's how he's manipulating Wit at the end. He's trying to bring out the good in Wit, and that's what Wit has a problem with. Make sense? Okay. How does... Okay. I'm trying to figure out how the manipulation line would tie into that, but now I'm starting to see it. Yep. I have I have a long, a, a long explanation of why the last scene doesn't make sense and why it actually does make sense, and I'll get into that when we get to the end. Oh my goodness. Here we go. Okay. Um, but anyway... Uh, Olivia says the whole drama club was involved. Yeah, the whole drama club that we never actually heard through the sound design. Dude. Ooh. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Luke, you gotta but, fix that for him. Just you gotta fix it. <laughs> but then uh there's great music, really good music when Olivia says, Hey, have you talked to Matthew about this? Mm, and the yeah. music is just really heartwarming and, and uh, down to earth about this is why I want these scenes to be real, because the relationship mm-hmm. here between Olivia and Emily is really real and between Matthew and Emily is really nice in that hey you should you should probably talk to him I mean he's still your Mm -hmm. friend and he's he doesn't he still wants to talk and if you're avoiding him then you're probably missing out on a good relationship here I love how they made the chemistry between Olivia and Emily and between Matthew and Emily just the chemistry between the characters and how they work together was Mm -hmm. so flawless in this if this is fake I am boycotting like there's no way if this is fake we will not listen to the rest of the no I'm still listening no 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 no. yeah I can't promise (laughs) to that one man (laughs) I Uh, will watch it listen out curiosity then we do get what I think might be Justin Philbinger's last episode, Matthew's last episode. Ooh, really? If this Why is the episode that? he goes out on, he went out on a high note. What he a did. great guy. What an awesome guy. I love Matthew. I've never been a big fan of the Parkers, but there is something in this episode that just made every character that I've ever disliked just lovable. Except mm-hmm. for Wit. I still don't like Wit. <laughs> and I still don't get Wit. why. I still don't get why. Maybe I'll beat it out of you by the end of this. But <laughs> I don't understand either. That's the problem. <laughs> But we start off this by uh, uh, Emily introducing uh, Matthew Parker, former partner. And also, I just realized that tracking this scene, Emily is a bit more stuffy at the beginning and a bit more formal with Matthew because she doesn't know how to proceed. And then Mm -hmm. once we get to the end of the conversation, she really softens and starts to have more of the better chemistry with Matthew. The, um, Mm -hmm. you know, we're we're friends here and uh, I'm going to miss you and kind of that, the more emotional side than the... Uh, matter of fact side that she takes at mm-hmm. the beginning of this scene you know mm-hmm. yeah and actually I was wondering about this is this the first time that Emily and Matthew have talked since the escape yes. room escapade yeah. mm-hmm. that explains why it'd be so tight in you know Sefi because it's almost like the first time talking to your ex after a breakup like but that's what I, honestly, that's what I was saying they were partners 
They were literally partners. And oh, and you said that literally last time. <laughs> kind of feels that way. It does because they were partners. They were. But... I mean, honestly, if we're looking at it like that, they were literally partners. I did. <laughs> anyway, let's let's go on. So, um. <laughs> Uh, uh, Matthew says, nope, that's not Maury's handwriting. I have math mm-hmm. with him and his, he's barely legible. Oh, yeah. And so and so uh, Emily says, oh, rats, that guy's more slippery than a greased eel. Oh. Yeet. <laughs> <laughs> that, was like, that was just a funny line. <laughs> it was, but all I could get flashbacks to were Bernard, Bernard Walton, and he was the only person that could like pull it off. Either that or like, Tom <laughs> Riley. They were yeah. it. And they had some kind of, like, I don't know, cultural setting to be able to pull it off. I'm like, Emily, you are literally from, like, the Midwest. There is no room for that kind of accent or phrasing here. There are no I, greased eels. No, it There was, are no it, greased it, eels. Just no clue. But again, it, it gives a little bit of levity to the episode that I'm not going to laugh does. at. But makes me remember, this is Odyssey. We're supposed mm-hmm. to have fun in this in this stuff. We're, but we They're can be serious, cool. but we also have fun. Exactly. I Anyway. That. Anyway, um, enough so for with Matthew, palm, though. I will say that. <laughs> so we go back and forth, and we Matt. The scene with Matthew is important because it, it gives Emily a chance to rectify her friendship with Matthew. It also mm-hmm. goes over the plot that we know so far. Um, Matthew recaps. So let me get this straight. He set up the writers' ruse mystery. You're saying he also mm-hmm. rigged the election. He was behind the fundraiser and the locker incident. And Emily says, "Well, but Suzu proved that it wasn't Maury, and that Dion admitted it. That was Dion." Mm-hmm. And Emily says, but there are still unanswered questions. And Maury was hanging around the whole time, which also, yeah, which which is a reference to Maury's running up to them and say, I love a good mystery, though I'm not very good at solving them right there. It's not a, exactly, yeah. it's not a really direct reference to that line. but And then it's also an indirect reference to when Maury suggested the security camera be set up to catch Dion. Mm-hmm. Both of those are neither directly referenced, but indirectly referenced in that line. And so... Emily describes her experience in Further From the Truth, which is a good recap of that one. Kind of like, kind of like we got from Olivia about the good in people we get from Emily for this one. I like how they the roles are reversed. Like, yeah, yeah, the roles are, are reversed here where before Olivia was describing the scene to Emily, who was an onlooker. Now Emily's mm-hmm. describing the scene to Matthew, who is an onlooker. Mm-hmm. Um, and she and they call it the imagination box, not the cobble box. <laughs> Sadly, you know, yeah. the cobble box would be pretty cool name for it. Yeah. Trademarked cobble box. <laughs> Trademark. Yes, exactly. But, Just for AIO audio news. Here is how and the AI Wiki podcast. But exactly, here, yeah. here is how the 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 point about math, would both of those involve a lot of math, is resolved. Matthew says, What made you think that it was Maury? Emily says he accidentally on purpose spilled the ice cream. And mm. then maybe go into the kitchen. And he says, "That's pretty thin, M. I mean, one, how did you? How did he know you were going to go into the kitchen instead of the bathroom? Which is a good point. True. And also, but and also, Matthew says, and how would Maury have the ability to program an imagination station, imagination box? And Emily says, I know this is gonna sound strange, but in the adventure." Maury was good at math. He could do big calculations in his head in seconds. Mm-hmm. Emily admits it. It is strange. And she makes it clear it was because Maury spilled the ice cream. That was the inciting incident for her to go to the kitchen, which was the inciting incident for her to suspect Maury. Mm, okay. And so okay. she she clears up what I think Bob Hoos wrote in, which was illogical math, whereas that was somebody <laughs> framing Maury. 
unless mm-hmm. it was actually Maury pointing back to himself. When Matthew says, but so can the real Maury. At this point, I said in my reaction, oh, come on. Oh, come on. Play the guitar. I don't want to play that. But right now I say, you fixed the plot hole. This is how the plot hole is fixed. By establishing, we're not only going by Maury in the cobble box, we're going by Maury in the real life, as Matthew says. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um... That doesn't seem as monumental to me as I guess it is to you. It is. It is because that was my biggest problem with Further From the Truth. And it's so great that it's fixed here. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's fair. Well, not my biggest problem. One of the the big problems. It seemed like a pretty big problem at the time, yeah. Yeah. So then Matthew says, besides, you haven't even brought up the escape room. But Maury wasn't involved with that. Are we sure? What about that mysterious voice? We Mm. finally get it. Finally get the connection. So good. So finally, someone else has realized, oh, hey, Maury could be related to this. Yeah, but but the, the thing is here. And then put it in an audio mix. It's not that hard. <laughs> but we've rehashed through all of that. The, the point here is that it's not like people thought the end of part one is going to be, turns out the mysterious voice was Maury Rydell. Mm-hmm. End of the episode. Wow. No, just drop it into the middle right here. Like you already knew that. Mm-hmm. Everyone already knew it. Everyone already guessed it. It was never supposed to be a secret, only to the only to the characters. And the way that mm-hmm. the characters figured it out is pretty good, honestly. I yeah I completely agree. It'd but I still nice want to hear Wit deciphering the recording. That's it. That's all I want to hear. Either that or in like a flashback or something. Please, I want to see him realizing it and just hear the mm-hmm. pitch of the audio slowly change. Even though that's not how yeah. audio works. But yes, no, it, it is. It is the way that it works if you're using like real time audio or something oh, like good that point. or something. Good point. Like if you if you have a sound mixer that can change the the, the pitch or like a soundboard or something, I can see that happening. Um, oh, and they do have Kids Radio. Is Kids yeah, Radio true, still working? True. Yeah, he's a good audio editor. Just not good true. enough to figure out the Mori recording. Apparently, um, which should be completely <laughs> obvious, but, but okay. Here, here's the thing. Remember how far we went back and forth, back and forth. Um, mm-hmm. Hang on. We went back and forth over this. Key suspect, or the Parker President, key suspect, out of the picture. Um, not out of the picture. Key suspect, Parker President, secret of the right of the ruse. That was where I started getting getting into the Mori theories and how Mori's behind mm-hmm. it. Then the good in people. Where Suzu suspects Mori. Mori's behind it. Sacrificial Escape, we reviewed it. The Wad Fam Chalkpod reviewed it and said, I wonder if Suzu's behind it because she suggested to Emily that Emily visit the escape room. Mm-hmm. We came up with the Suzu villain theory very late. And then Suzu's notebook at the end of Further From The Truth. Maybe Suzu has something to hide. We came up with the Suzu villain theory very late in the game. We did, Emily yes. comes up with it very <laughs> late in the game. Much later than all of us. So Yeah, after Emily has gone through all of the logical processes that we went through, and Matthew says, but Maury wasn't near the escape room, but we know Suzu was, is what Emily says. That's the Suzu villain theory. And Emily says she was involved in the even-numbered Rydell episodes. And Matthew says basically, but not the odd-numbered Rydell episodes, which I find which I found interesting. Is that – I find that interesting? Yeah, well, um, the even-numbered Rydell episodes are key suspects, good in people, mm-hmm. further from the truth. Suzu has an end scene with Maury. And I then would have the odd- never – no. And then the odd-numbered episodes are Parker for President, sac- uh, Secret of the Writer's Ruse, and A Sacrificial Escape, in which we don't have an end scene with Maury and Suzu. Huh. I would have never put two and two together, ever. Like, that's I not even on my radar. I put two and two together a, a, a lot wow. of the time. <laughs> no, I just wow. Just a lot of the microphone. So, yeah. <laughs> it's okay. It happens. Don't worry. Ugh, gross. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. 
but that's that, that is just something I found interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Then Matthew says, how'd you solve it? The imagination adventure at the kitchen sink where Emily was just randomly standing at the kitchen sink, which is mm-hmm. creepy. Terrifying. Yeah. And then she says, well, I, I solved it by re- I, that the whole reason you and the program programmed it was for me to be uh, for, for me to cope with you not being my partner anymore. And that was good emotion on Christina Puccelli. And mm-hmm. I really like the, the drop that happened there. And then. Emily's walking away trying to, you know, let's transition out of this. Uh, let's make it a little bit lighter. And now I think I have all the pieces. They aren't just fitting together. Except for the haiku. The haiku has not been brought up yet. The haiku has been mysteriously dropped out of and, the entirety of the life of this episode. And do you know why? Why? Because if we bring up the haiku, Suzu was investigating the key suspect mystery. If Suzu wrote the haiku, then that doesn't make sense because Suzu didn't know who was behind it. Or Suzu didn't, like, Suzu was solving the mystery herself. And if Suzu wrote the haiku, that confuses things. So I think it's intentional that the haiku was left out here. If I'm being honest, I didn't even remember the haiku until he read the script. I was like, oh, wow. There's so many pieces of evidence in this that can get Mm -hmm. lost. Yeah. So many small little pieces. Unless you skim these episodes every single day, it's like, wow. (laughs) Well, I mean, (laughs) I I don't do that, but... (laughs) Uh-huh, uh-huh, okay, sure. Mm-hmm. So that is the end of the recap. And we get great music mm-hmm. transition out of this into a, another great music transition into the next scene. Love it. Um, you might think it's spy music. I love it. <laughs> it was literally only that very first thing. The very okay. first scene when he just said, I think Emily kidnapped Suzu. That one tiny part right there. Three seconds. That's it. Okay. Everything else well- is amazing. <laughs> and then we we cut from the recap we start getting new stuff here Ooh, yes. Susie's looking at her phone outside the school this is the part that Maury evidently saw outside mm-hmm. the from the computer lab Susie's looking at her phone Emily approaches her she's surprised when Emily gets there she says I can't talk to you right now I must leave and she says like oh it's you in that way like maybe Mrs. Mm-hmm. Mado told her by the way you might want to watch out for this person called Emily and Susie goes oh no Emily really why and something mm-hmm. like that so then she's really eager to leave but then when emily mentions maury it's about your brother maury what about him susie's all of a sudden eager to talk yeah and then she's, emily says, she's like okay hold up something could it comp- you know compromise plan hold up is my brother okay you know okay so emily's frustrated here but she's not frustrated at suzu she's mm-hmm. frustrated at maury and she says she's he's been involved in pretty strange stuff are you is he bullying you into helping him and and um or forcing you to help him and uh, Suzu is what, 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 what do you mean? And Emily's really confident about it. Emily brings up this part, that part, the, uh, the key suspect, the, uh, the locker mystery, wasn't he? And Suzu's like, no, 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 he wasn't. Yes, he was. And that references Suzu saying no in the key suspect. She says, please tell me you had nothing to do with the mm-hmm. locker incident at school. A different tone. She was very, um, what, what is it there? She was very observant of Maury. She was very calm when she said it to him here is she's panicked mm, um, yes okay i was like what are, what a mood are you trying to talk about but yeah okay i get that we follow what follows is a series of some really great lines uh emily says i'm close to bringing him down but i need your help that one hit me like whoa bringing him down wow 
I, the, that entire mood of that was, I was very skeptical of uh, Emily. She's like, oh, I need to bring him down. It sounds like someone that's completely delusional just grabbing another girl by, you know, by her backpack and be like, hey, your brother is in charge of this entire huge thing that's been going well, on to us. It's because we've had 15 minutes of buildup of mm-hmm. this person has been traumatizing me, mm-hmm. literally traumatizing me. Which, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense for Emily to respond in that way. Yes. But Suzu, this is hitting Suzu, like, out of the blue. She has uh, no idea. Mm, what, but well, th- that would be unless we got the Suzu villain theory. From, exactly. From right, right previously, which Emily also figured out, Suzu knows about it. She Suzu knows exactly knew about the escape about. room. And in this, Emily is was previously, like, maybe Mori was involved, and now she's saying Mori is involved, mm-hmm. which is really good because it contradicts what Phil Lawler was actually saying himself. <laughs> oh! <laughs> well, that doesn't contradict it, but back when we were talking to him, I was saying, okay, mm-hmm. this event happened, this event happened, and he's like, sure, sure. Okay, was sure, Mori behind sure. it? Mm-hmm. Now he's actually saying yes. Mm-hmm. At least, like, at yeah, least Emily thinks totally that Mori behind was behind it. it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So basically, um, we were kind of spot on with our predictions. <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> They were very clearly out there, but yes, we were able to pick up on that. So uh, Suzu says, uh, when Emily says, I talked to Mrs. Mado, and uh, uh, Suzu says, you should not be talking to her. Mm -hmm. Ooh, that's an interesting line. Definitely makes it seem as if there's something up with Mrs. Mado. Yep, and then Suzu, April Hong, who is the actress who plays Suzu, excellent delivery on the line. You do not understand. You do not know what you are talking about. I know enough. But when she when she said it, I really liked that. It made me, it made it makes me really sympathetic towards Suzu. Like mm-hmm. I I believe Suzu is partially innocent. I think she is an accomplice, but mm-hmm. an unwilling one. Yeah, she's is guilty by association, but she doesn't. Oh, the fear in her voice, the acting in that point was amazing. But you could just she mm-hmm. seemed so she's terrified. So... Like there's something much bigger than both of us that's going on, and you don't want to be around it. Trust Absol- me. Absolutely, absolutely. I love the way that she presents it compared to the way that Maury would have presented it. Mm-hmm, like, Maury would have yeah. been sinister. She is scared out of her wits about this. She's like, trust me, no, this isn't what you think it is. Hold up. Or maybe it is what you think it is, but trust me, it's a lot bigger than you think. Mm-hmm, absolutely. It's like, um, I'm trying to think of another, maybe it's a Monica Stone line. I forget who would have said that, but this is a lot bigger than you think it is. Yeah, that sounds like Monica Stone. Either that yeah. or, you know, something in the Novacom saga. Yeah. Um. So... Emily brings up the escape room. He was the mysterious voice who kept talking to us, wasn't he? It's difficult to explain. He made Matthew and me think we were going to die in that escape room. It's not that difficult to explain. Wow. Boom. That was hard. That was a hard That That's like one of those lines that I would, if someone had said that to me, I'm like, do you really think that that's going to work? I would have gone off on them just for that one line and be like, oh, really? It's not that hard to explain. Wow. I don't know. That line annoyed the tar out of me, but it was the response that Suzu gave that tied it all together. Right. You and Matthew were never in any real danger. That's her going off on her. I don't mm-hmm. have to explain it. You weren't, you don't have to panic here, even though Emily has the right to panic because. It's true. Because Maury was saying, you're probably going to die or something like that. You could yeah, lay down his life for his friends. She thinking she was going to die. Of course it would be terrifying. Yeah. And then you need to talk says, about this. Big, big thing. You and Matthew were never in any real danger. We would never have let anything happen to you. In my reaction, we? All I went was like, ooh. 
she spilled the tea thing. Oh, like, but okay, that was that was just go. confirming what we knew about a sacrificial escape. Mm-hmm. And, but a little bit more that it wasn't an accident that Suzu talked to Emily. Suzu it, knew she was supposed to talk to Emily. <laughs> it was very intentional. There was no like oh, yep. There was no luck involved with it. It all happened according to plan. And now Emily sees you were responsible too. And Susie's mm-hmm. like, I, I do not have time for this right now, which I, I get if there isn't something important at home. Susie tries to rush off and Emily grabs her backpack because you were the one who tormented me. Mm-hmm. You did it. You need to stop. I or at need least more you were answers. partially responsible for it. Right. Right. You were so, involved in me being traumatized. Thank you for that. And so Susie's backpack falls off and Emily kind of like snaps out of it for half a second. Like, oh, oh no, oh, no, I'm so sorry. Your things. And Susie's my notebook and the notebook, the notebook. We brought that up before. Kind of, important. Yeah, kind of important and then the biggest reveal of the episode the handwriting it's suzu's handwriting it's suzu of all people what like no i had no idea <laughs> i okay. i didn't know i didn't I know that it was suzu's handwriting <laughs> like uh what was it secret of the writer's series i don't know why but i kind of had a feeling that suzu might be involved with that mm-hmm. but the f- okay, my idea is that she might have written it, but it wasn't her idea of what to write, you know? Just because right. she has good handwriting, and she usually writes in Japanese, so no one would really see her actual English handwriting. That's kind of what I figured, you know, why- that's why she would be the one that wrote the notes. Yeah. But I don't think that she's the one organizing all that. No, she's she's not, but she's the accomplice. And I Exactly. That, that was huge. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think anyone predicted that, that she wrote the note that was in Emily's locker in Parker Oh, President. not at all. Yeah, not at no. all. Huge bombshell. That's that's awesome. We finally got something. Isn't that great? Finally. Out of all these episodes, we finally got one thing. One little thing that we can go off of. Yeah. <laughs> um. So then, quick scene change, which I think is the smart move to just end the scene right there. Very much so, uh, yeah. We go to the, the next scene where Emily is approaching Susie's house. The front door is partially left open. She goes in and is saying, oh, come on. I know you're in here. Your bike was outside. And Suzu is, again, still scared terrified mm-hmm. go away emily someone i mean she's literally getting treated it's almost like a scene from a horror movie yeah. emily is stalking everyone like i know where you are you but know, it's, I'm not, gonna it's not find you but but the thing is suzu is not frightened that emily's there oh she yeah she wants to trust emily and she wants to confide in emily but she's scared of who kidnaps emily at the end of this scene mm-hmm. there's something Somebody there that she's there. aware of yes and should this episode have had a parental warning I'm glad that it didn't, but I feel like I don't know. I, I think feel part like two is gonna have a parental warning. Yeah, exactly. Part two will definitely have one. If well, maybe not. Maybe not. But <laughs> I I think that this one was tame enough to not have one. Yeah, we probably. don't actually hear what happened to Emily. Right, we just hear uh, scuffling. It could just be mm-hmm. somebody grabs her and puts her in a chair or something like that. It's Which like I did nothing not nothing like more intense than selflessly devoted. So exactly, yeah. <laughs> sound effects were lackluster for that scene though like no well yeah we'll get we'll get to that in a minute here yeah. because i think they were good and some people have said that it dragged on for too long but oh um, i didn't know that i'll get to it but um emily is talking about the handwriting if your brother is making you uh, making you work with him you can tell me and then oh no we hear it from upstairs maybe suzu just found her room and the mm-hmm. room is totally trashed so either Suzu is completely faking it or she is actually concerned that her room is trashed. I think she is actually concerned because then she is trying to get Emily to leave, trying to warn her, you should not be here. Mm-hmm. Go away. And then um, she realizes em- that something bad happened. She's like, no, you shouldn't. You should get away now. But- mm-hmm. And then Emily's uh, second to last line. Maybe this person was looking for Suzu's notebook who trashed her room. 
Mm, okay. Maybe, which was in her backpack. And then Emily's saying, no, not until I get some answers. Not until I get the truth. So <laughs> that really Emily is, huh? again, Emily is in the center of the audio. Somebody approaches mm-hmm. from the right. We hear struggling happening in the center of the audio. It doesn't really move around in the stereo at all. Emily says, hey, we hear struggling and uh, coming from both girls. Uh, mm-hmm. And whoever is doing the kidnapping is silent right there. That mm-hmm. drags on for about five seconds. Um, and it doesn't move from one side of the other one from one side of the stereo to the other so that it still is a little bit ambiguous about who's doing it. But I think we mm-hmm. have enough clues to know that there was somebody else there who kidnapped Emily. It's not Suzu because the the footsteps don't sound urgent enough. It's got to be someone else. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And maybe it was supposed to be more vague and it was just Luke Gano didn't make it vague enough. But I think no, that Phil I- would have noticed if it was too too obvious. I would say that they actually made it perfectly vague because I had both headphones in and I didn't even notice that there was a difference in the stereo. But, yeah. But, but that was one thing I noticed. I'm like, it just sounds like a big mush. I have no idea. You know, I can't tell what's going on. That's why I kind of <laughs> didn't like it because it just sounded like a bunch of scuffling and people hitting each other, but there wasn't a clear direction for a fight scene or anything. I could tell like, what it I was. I want to know what's happening. It's not but an actual fight. Sense. It's not an actual fight scene. It's that Emily is trying to break free and somebody's <laughs> trying to keep her keep her down. It's kind of like that, like just a wrestling well, match. Well, for the lack of better words, it, this is the closest to a fight scene that we're gonna get okay. in this era of Odyssey. True, true, probably true. <laughs> I, I don't know any. Other I mean, at least it's better than it. Rodney and Jellyfish and another chance. My goodness, yes, <laughs> amen to that. That was so trashy, but like. <laughs> It worked, I guess, for that era, but my goodness, I will just completely rip on that episode. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I already read through the line here I'm gonna uh, at the beginning. I'm going to read through it again here and stop and track the logical progression of the lines. Ooh, here we go. And say, like, what each character is thinking at each point. Okay. Start with Maury's line. That's it. That's the last recording. What do you think, Mr. Whitaker? At this point, Maury can hear. Maury's smarter than me. So Maury mm-hmm. can hear that it's Emily being kidnapped and not Suzu. Maybe he mm-hmm. thinks Suzu is in trouble, but he knows that Emily is kidnapped here, and yet he's not telling Wit this. So in saying that's the last recording, what do you think, Mr. Whitaker? All of Maury's backstory, or not Maury's backstory, but Maury's motives have been spilled out to Wit. Mm-hmm. All of his plans and all of his plotting has been revealed to Wit on a platter. And with all that, Maury has revealed himself and Maury wants to be revealed in by showing with the recording mm-hmm. and yeah. maybe he's coming to wit because he thinks will help uh uh get help suzu or something like that, help find suzu and that emily kidnapped suzu but that's not what we get from the last line of this episode so wait Maury, here's theory real quick yeah. i don't know if you're gonna go with this one but maybe he's telling wit so on the off chance that wit believes him you know and it's like oh hey i'll help you know find suzu and whatnot and then wit gets led into the trap and boom like wit is kidnapped too right exactly maury now has both of them no i don't i don't think that's it i think that okay i think i think that that maury is trying to get wit to understand that emily was actually kidnapped and Mm -hmm. when wit understands that maury can say hmm good i brought out the good in you by you figuring that out well, it's because good. So, well, here, here's why it's good. Uh, Maury g- says, "That's what I think, Mister Whitaker. What do you think?" And Wit goes, "In Maury's situation, Wit goes, wait a minute. I don't think that recording was of Emily kidnapping Suzu. Suzu. I think it was of Emily being kidnapped." And Maury goes, "Inside, Maury's thinking, yes, he finally figured it out. He's a lot smarter mm-hmm. than I gave him credit for. I proved that he was smarter than I thought he was." 
that's Mori Mori inside. Maybe that's Mori's plan here. I'm thinking. Hmm. That's so an then, interesting theory. So then Wit, instead of saying, no, that was Emily being kidnapped, Wit doesn't say, yeah, that was Susan being kidnapped, or that was Emily being kidnapped. He just says, hmm, interesting. Mm-hmm. So Emily, I'm sorry, so, so, so Maury pushes it a little bit farther. I just played a recording of Emily kidnapping my sister, and all you can say is, interesting? Why aren't you more concerned? And excellent line, because one of my critiques about... The preview was Wit does not sound concerned. Why not? Because he's on to Mori. That's why. Mm, okay, yeah. And this is brought out by Wit then saying, because Mori, I think Emily was right. Right about what? I think you're trying to game me. Mm-hmm. And this line, I think you're trying to game me. Wit knows that Emily has been kidnapped, and he knows it's important to go rescue her. But right now, Mori is trying to game Wit by getting Wit to admit it. Wit mm-hmm. is not going to say it outright because that's giving Mori the satisfaction of knowing that Mori is better than Wit. So mm-hmm. Wit identifies Mori's game that Mori is trying to get Wit to admit that he knows Emily was kidnapped instead. He's not playing that game. Wit's going straight for the throat and saying, "Why are you why are you trying to get me to say this?" Hmm. Okay. And then Wit references Emily's investigation, just like you've been gaming most everyone in Odyssey since you moved here. Which sounds Just like, like a fake villain line, which is, you, you know, they usually deliver those lines in Odyssey. You know, if it's some bad guy, but, but it's, it's a wit, and that's why it's terrifyingly it, you know, untrustworthy. I can I can see a little, I don't think it's untrustworthy. I think that it's a finally, yes, we're finally here in that the good guy is triumphing over the bad guy. But it's it's different also because Wit is an adult and Mori is a kid. Mm-hmm. So yes. Wit is talking to Mori as sort of, I am the authority figure right here. You're a child. Why, why are you being so serious about this? Why are you? Why have you been gaming everyone? You need mm-hmm. to tell me, you child. That's what Wit is kind of saying in, in frustration here, I think, a little mm-hmm. bit too. Yeah. If it were an adult, Wit would be more diplomatic about it. But this hmm. is a child. Okay. I like that idea. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then one thing here is that after Wit says, hmm, interesting, we get a really deep bass sound effect. I'll play the clip right here. Interesting. <laughs> I just so right after that, it kind of sounds like Wit is like entering the imagination station or something. It's not the same sound effect, but it, hmm. it kind of sounds like that. So that's what makes me think: is that the music? I think it might be the music, but if it is a sound effect, is Wit in the cobble box? I feel like it seems like music, but that mm-hmm. would also. Yeah, yeah. I love the theory about it being in the cobble box because. That would explain some of the things, like some people's personalities being off. Because that would be very interesting, though. And imagine that would be the conclusion that we would have to come to to get out of the cover box. Right. But then, huh. but then the thing is, the thing is, if Wit, if everyone, if those recordings were actually fake, all of the stuff that Emily said was true. And all the stuff that Zoe and Matthew and Olivia said was true. So mm-hmm. Emily still had those conversations, but... The conversations as Wit saw them were fake, and the real ones were like one or two words that were different or something like that. It it just doesn't make sense why this whole thing would be fake and why we would have a whole other fake episode. It doesn't make sense to me. I'm calling it real. The... And the entire point of this series is almost to make us not know what to trust. (laughs) If you haven't seen that already. We had enough of that back in the writer's ruse. It went too far in Further From the Truth. Are you sure about that? And that was a Bob Hoos episode. 
Let's not do that again. Let's not do it again, Phil Weller. Subtly calling him out. Wow. Yeah, a, okay. A little bit, but it's. I I like that Phil Weller's tying this all together. Um, but that's. There's one more thing I wanted to note, and then we can talk. Um, general thoughts about the episode. Okay. Yeah. Um, one more thing is Chris says there's one person who is never fooled by schemes, no matter how clever. And there was somebody on the one of the Odyssey forums, I think, the town of Odyssey, who said wit. I was about to say, I figured that she was going to say wit, and I'm like, oh, wait. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the end. That's wow. the end of the Rydell Revelations Part 1. We got through the whole thing. We did, but oh my goodness, there's so many questions. Yes, I have three questions. Oh, that's not that many, but sure. Okay. Okay. What is the story behind Mrs. Mado mm-hmm. and Maury's mother? That's the first question. What if she died, like, super epically? Or she isn't actually dead? Or, like, there's so many theories. I don't think she's actually dead. I don't think she's actually dead. And knowing that the next... The next episode, we're not. there's not really any waiting period between this episode and the next one and the one after that. She's mm-hmm. alive. That would be an okay theory to, to promote that she's alive. I don't like... I didn't like it when the long end did it, but mm-hmm. I, th- I think it's okay here. I don't know. I think it would almost be easier if she was dead. It would take one person out of the equation that you wouldn't have to work into a storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, I continue. also, I also want to bring up since I mentioned that, can we contrast Paul McCusker's three-parter, the long end with mm-hmm. this three-parter, the Rydell revelations, which is Phil Lawler's three-parter mm-hmm. and how I like this one a lot more than the long end, but the long end is also objectively a good episode, mm-hmm. but how this one is a plot episode, the fan based episode and how that one was a masterpiece of writing, but I didn't like how the writing, I didn't like how it was written. Okay. Well, like we've reviewed the long end, but we haven't released the mm-hmm. review yet. Oh, really? And, okay. Yeah, and I've I've had a bunch of I you remember Arista, I had so many criticisms about the long end. I mm-hmm. gave it a two and a half out of five at the end. Yeah, this which one is I'm very giving, surprising. This one, I'll say it right now, rubric rating, perfect five. Perfect wow. five. I have no criticisms. Maybe you'll maybe you'll sway my theory. Maybe you'll sway my opinion on this, but I like uh, Phil Lawler's weaving the moral outside of the plot more than what Paul McCusker did of just choppily having the plot and then all of a sudden we're discussing the moral now and now we're discussing mm-hmm. the plot like the car ride between Buck and Skint I, I don't think oh, that was written yeah. that well I think it was it was long but I think it had to be chopped down I think part of that was the continuity or the pacing but mm-hmm. in this we have the scene where Olivia is discussing the drama club and at the beginning it's again a little stuffy we're just talking about the plot and then slowly they start to emotionally have a better connection and then once we're done with the plot now we can discuss what about matthew have you talked to him and get a little bit mm-hmm. more emotional about it same yeah. thing with matthew the same exactly. progression happens exact same. I, I really like the blending of the plot and the moral here what, what do you think about that no i completely agree it felt like it moved seamlessly between each theme and a lot smoother than a lot of episodes that we've heard, honestly. Mm-hmm. But this, it felt, I, I don't know, the entire episode felt oddly smooth. It flowed mm-hmm. so perfectly that you didn't even realize that it kept going. It was perfect. Right. Mm-hmm. I was so, I can't fault it for. So last thing I will say is that we mentioned Maury's mom. Um, there's another actor who was, or another actress who was in the cast photo with the other Red Devil Revelations cast. One of the actresses who we didn't know was Ren Hanami, who Mm -hmm. is Mrs. Mado. The other actress is named Mandy Fabian. Maiden name, Mandy Steckelberg. Mandy Steckelberg played Tasha Forbes in Accidental Dilemma. Now, here's a theory, right? Here's a theory. (laughs) What if Tasha Forbes is actually Maury's mom? 
Oh. <laughs> You're just like, that's oh, cool. not what I was thinking. Okay. I'm cool with that. That sounds great. <laughs> but like, okay, actually, honestly, think about it. Because if their dad is in the U.S. Embassy, right, that, that means that there could have been some potential that he could have met yeah. Tasha. So therefore, and they aren't <laughs> technically old enough. I don't know. It's completely random and possibly not true, but it would be very interesting to see in the least. <laughs> so Mandy Steckelberg both plays Tasha Forbes and Maury's mom in the same episode. I would, I'd be down for that. I think that'd be pretty cool. I think that would be pretty amazing. Yeah. And also that means that her name is Tasha Rydell. Ooh, okay. That'd be a cool name though. That'd be a... <laughs> oh, I feel so sorry for Jason though. What if oh. Jason finds that? He's like, oh, the girl I use a day has kids now. Great. <laughs> Too bad. Oh, well. Yeah, poor guy. Um, he'll, he'll have to deal with it. You want to go ahead and say your final thoughts about this episode? <laughs> sure. Here we go. Um, I don't have the full rating down yet, but I have a pretty good idea of what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. But I have, overall, it was an absolutely amazing episode. There's nothing I can actually seriously fault it for. There are problems, a couple things with like scripting and stuff like that. Just where I felt like it got too explainy or, you know, certain people's lines felt like they were too scripted. But besides that, you don't you don't even notice it in this episode. The episode flows way too well and too fast and too perfectly for yep. you to notice any flaws. That's why it's so amazing. It gets such a high rate and is so high up there on the list. I don't know. I've, one, the music is absolutely insane, and that will forever put it in like the Hall of Fame for episodes for me. But I don't know. I don't, I don't know how to put it. But this entire episode was just perfect. Wow. That's really all I can say about it. It's just wow. everything worked way too well. <laughs> anyway, in total, besides the writing, that would give us a four and a half out of five, which I would go ahead and oh. round up to a five because I think it's oh, worth it. <laughs> but you, so you would give the you would give the writing a no then. I would give the writing a no. Yes, and I that's would. The, and that's the only category you'd give a no then. <laughs> that is literally the only thing that I would give a no about because wow. and even then it was such a small percentage like there it was enough to stand out yes but besides that I think the episode was insane so wow. my subjective vote is going to very much affect my objective vote <laughs> and just count it as like a half no at this point so well, it I mean, just rounds up to five at this point the, the point here is that um when you give everything else such high marks you mm-hmm. have to hold the final category to a lot more scrutiny and so a small um thing that's off in the writing needs mm-hmm. to be made a bit more pronounced so i get it mm-hmm. i understand yeah. where you're coming from but you that know, means i that don't want to fault this episode that, it was that's so okay. good that's it was so good i i get it and you can fault it that's fair I'm not going to fault it because I thought yeah. the writing worked out well personally, and this is we do agree, we do disagree. This is me being yeah. higher rating than you because this I'm giving crazy. this a five out of five, perfect mm-hmm. five, love it, absolutely love it. This is the Rydell episode we've been waiting for. I've been waiting for for a long mm-hmm. time. Every single piece worked well together. Not only that, this episode is exceptional, wonderful, it is insane. high high above all the other fives that are on my list of of great episodes. <laughs> in that Phil did it. He did. He did what he said was extraordinarily difficult. He did it. With and flying I cannot, colors. I cannot wait to see what he has next. And so my rating is a perfect five. And this means that the Rydell Revelations Part 1 is our collective highest rated episode ever. 
Oh my goodness. Would you look at that? <laughs> wow. Yours is like a five out of five with like a little star on it, you know, like putting A plus plus on or something. And mine's just like in A, it's still like a good like oh, rating, yeah. but like, uh-huh. you know, it's just not as special as the A plus <laughs> plus. But yeah. I don't know. I don't know. A plus A is okay too. <laughs> it's pretty great. You know, what if we get to Revelations Part 2 and it's just another fake mystery? Don't ask questions. Okay. If you would like to tell us how much you enjoyed today's review. Or how much you hated it. Why don't you leave us a comment? You can leave one at aowiki.com slash podcast. Thank you to Carl who commented on podcasts 24, 25, and 26. His comments on the Phil Lawler interviews were, Great podcast. Always love your interviews. Thanks, Carl. Gianna Therese also commented on podcast 24 to mention Emily's line that we spent so much time discussing. I, I like semantics. And to say, I really enjoyed this AIO Wiki podcast episode. I cannot wait to hear the interview with Phil Lawler. And Jace Mouse left a comment on podcast 24 asking if I meant to say much ado about jealousy instead of much ado about nothing. And no, I quite like much ado about jealousy. Moving on, John left a comment on podcast 26 saying first that is true you are first and riley commented on podcast 26 yes these are great i'm looking forward to you reviewing the rideau revelations you guys are the best as always colon period parentheses which roughly translate to a smiley face text emoji with a little thanks riley and we hope this edition of the podcast did not disappoint because next time the review will be even bigger all will be revealed in the rideau revelations part two so tell your friends, family, co-workers, and neighbors about, about the AIO Wiki podcast. The Adventures in Odyssey Wiki is an official sponsor of the Audio Theater Central Seneca Awards. For more information, visit theSenecas.org.